It's time for the end off the bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross and Randy Jowers. And guys, tonight is episode 25 titled Fist, Kicks, and Other Dangerous Shit. Uh, the episode is titled this because tonight we're going to be talking to our guest, resident UFC and MMA expert Rod Galvin. But before Rod jumps in the squared octagon circle of death, we're going to talk about the weekend that was. Jim, my man, what was up this weekend? Uh, really, I just want to focus on one thing. Obviously, watch sports as usual, spent time with the family, but spent time with one specific family member. And me and Jackson, we went down to Redeem Wrestling and watched our boy Mike Reels again. He defended his title. And I tell you what, he put on a show, and, man, I understand. Uh, Daniel, you've tried to turn me on to wrestling. Tell me it's the entertainment business. Well, they did a good job of entertaining because um, they villainized Mike in such a way, but yet, I mean, he uh, – I don't know. Man, it's hard to describe. I put some videos out, but Jackson is his number one fan. He was rooting, and, of course, you know, his whole crew came out there and beat down – the uh, the fan favorite afterward, the good guy, and uh, and Jackson and me were you know kind of solo and in, in rooting for it, but we loved it and he had a good time. And so, as uh, you know, me and you talked about earlier today, gonna have to get Jackson on uh, this AEW and WWE because uh, he loves the stuff. So that was the highlight of my weekend, taking him down to that show, getting to watch his boy Mike Reels and. Uh, if anybody uh, listening is in this area and Redeem Wrestling is having a show, it's, it's worth the price of admission. So w- would you go back? Yes. Uh, we're I, Every time they have – because, I mean, they only do it like once a month, a big, they, you know, just do a big show. Um, I'm locked in. My son's locked in. Like I said, we're in. See, and, and that that's how they get you. And that's exactly what the – I mean, the wrestling entertainment business is all about. I mean, that's what drew me in as a kid is – being able to watch it with my dad and then, you know, you fast forward 30 years later and here we are, you're watching it with your kid and enjoying it just as much as he is. So it's awesome. Like it, it pulls at my heartstrings a little bit. I like that. Randy, my man, how's the weekend? First world problems, DB. We talked about it before we came on the air, but Saturday I'm working out in the yard and I'm getting my shed moved and I hear something, some trickling water on my side of you. I'm like, what is that? I go over, see water coming out of the, the drain pipe. I'm like, oh, no, what's going on here? I thought maybe it's condensate. Go upstairs. My water heater was busted. No hot water. Saturday, no hot water. Sunday. Until today, my boy Anthony Goodwin at GPS hooked me up, the new water heater. But, you know, shout out to my wife because it could have been two things. She either really loves me or she really thinks that I stunk. Because last night I got home from a gender reveal party. Uh, shout out to Brandon Church. Congratulations on the girl. Um, and she had boiled like, I I mean, for my big self, I don't know, 10, 12 pots of water and had a bath going candles, the whole nine. I put it on social media cause can't brag about her enough and shout out to her for 
at least letting me get – and I'm not going to even tell you what that water looked like after I got out of it. Woo. Ooh-wee. Water turned brown quick. Quick. I mean, you, you take for granted some of the small stuff. I mean, we you, you do say first world problems, but, man, it, it's – it's a bitch when you have home improvements and shit go wrong and you got to turn around and fix it because there's never a right time for that stuff to happen. And it always seems to happen like at the most inopportune time. So I feel you, bro. Um, for me, the weekend was pretty simple. Um, just hung out at the house, you know, did our thing, gymnastics on Saturday and just kind of enjoyed the weather the weather's starting to cool off down here in florida we're getting that 75 with the little breeze and the humidity starting to go away so it's it's been rather nice got a big weekend planned this weekend though we're headed up to disney we're going to check out some some frozen we're going to check out some mick some mini you know the whole crew so i'm, I'm looking forward to that my two-year-old calls it mau 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 Mau. Yeah, it's it's Mick and Minnie and Daisy and, and Donnie and Goof and the whole gang. The whole gang. And they they don't know what, what they're in for this weekend because I'm bringing a, a three year old up there and she's going to go to town. Go. I'm jealous. Hey, I, I, I am lucky that it's not that far away and we have season passes, but you know, there are horror stories about going there, but I think I think we'll be all right as as long as we can do it one or two times a year. I'm pretty set, and like she's at the point now where it's just a, a few hours, and she's ready to get out of there, which is about the same for me. A few hours is a, is enough. So, but anyway, anyways, guys, let's uh let's jump into this. Enough of the the Disney talk and the first world problems and. Uh, the wrestling biz we need to get into the fight biz so gentlemen without further ado let's welcome on to the show our guest tonight with the biggest interviewing podcast this week our resident mma and ufc expert mr rod galvin rod man thanks for joining us how we doing i'm good man thanks for having me yeah man hey it's this is one of those episodes where i i look forward to it because it's something that we get a chance to learn about and we're lucky that over the next few weeks we're going to have some really awesome guests that are going to tell us you know really and inform us on things that we don't have a whole lot of knowledge on but we want to have a lot of knowledge on so by the end of the night, we want to learn about you, where you come from, your background, and eventually end um, with talking some UFC talk. You down with that? I'm down with that. All so right, man. <laughs> hey, well, let's let's start from the beginning. As a as a kid growing up, were you a a, a wrestler? Were you a karate? Were what kind of were you martial arts? What what was the deal as a kid growing up? I was a wrestler. I wrestled ever since second grade. I was always a martial art fan. Love kung fu movies, karate movies, ninja movies. Loved all that. Never did martial arts. I was so busy doing all other sports. I played every sport as a kid: football, basketball, baseball, hockey. You you name it, wrestling. And uh, so the only combat sport I did was wrestling. But I love martial arts. Love love the. So you talked about your influences of, of some of those movies. Like, what, what were some of the people and movies that you saw there? You're like, man, that's badass stuff. Was it Bruce Lee or was it, like, Three Ninjas? Like, what are we talking about here? It was a lot of, a lot of like, Chuck North movies. 
Bruce Lee movies. My cousin, uh, my parents, they they would go off and like they were in like a co-ed volleyball league and we were kids and my cousin would always babysit us and we go to the video store and get like seven or eight like martial art movies, karate movies, like just you name it, we watched them all and we just, we always had that question, like who would win, Chuck Norris or Mike Tyson or Mike Tyson or Bruce Lee or a Kung Fu master and a Taekwondo guy. We'd always have those questions and just for the longest time, you know, I was just, you know, I was, I was just into it like that and, uh, but never got into martial arts, always just wrestling. I wonder, and I think we'll probably get into this, but I mean, the one inch punch versus like a, a, a Tyson, like uppercut. Uh, I wonder what, what is more deadly? I mean, if you look at the movies, Bruce Lee was like dominating. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. I, you know, I would he, have to go, I would have to go Mike for real. Like for sure, for sure. You know, and, I didn't, you know, didn't realize it until like, you start getting into the whole MMA scene, like just how effective boxing is because, you know, you watch these, these movies and they're doing all these fancy kicks and blocks and, this, and you're like, oh, you know, what's the boxer going to do? A karate guy is going to just block it real quick. And then, you know, when I saw the first UFC and I was like, oh, no, 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 not, it's not like that at all. That's actually how I got into the MMA when I, I saw the first UFC and it was like style versus style kung fu versus taekwondo and I was like, oh these answer all these questions are going to be answered now and I was expecting to see like a you know like a, a movie like all these fancy blocks and kicks and it was nothing like that and I was hooked ever since no they no no dumb chucks no uh no, no sores none of that good stuff but you, you talked a little bit about, you know, playing all these sports as a kid. Like, as you moved to, towards high school, was it wrestling only, or did you continue playing multiple sports? Uh, freshman year, I did. I, I did a few, but as I, you know, got older, I just constantly focused on football and wrestling. And then when I went to college, I just played football. I actually didn't wrestle in college. If I Known then, but I know now, I probably would have done that. Uh, but you know, coming out of high school, you think every you, you think you're going to the NFL, and so I played. I just focused on college and uh, and uh, football in college. But in high school, I actually played. I did both. I wrestled and played football. But I stopped playing all the other stuff. I got you. So no no combat sports post high school. It was all football and. You know, what was it like? I still, wrestled, I still wrestled around, but not like, not competitively or anything like that. Like I got into, you know, I got into coaching and my dad's a head high school wrestling coach. So I would go back and be his assistant coach and stuff. But I didn't do anything competitively. Um, did a little jujitsu, but uh, mostly just coaching. I played during the season in the winter. You know, I was still doing football stuff from college and then coaching on the side. So what you said, you talk about going back. You talk about Chicago? Yeah, going to Chicago. So what was it like growing up in the, the Windy City? Was it like, were you a South Side kid? Were you a North Side kid? Oh, definitely South Side. Yeah, definitely, definitely South Side. I'm a White Sox fan. Oh, Blackhawks, Bulls, Bears. But no, I, it was great growing up in Chicago. I actually, it's such a, it's such a, a big city. And the talent pool is just 
crazy there. Like I remember growing up in, uh, in, in grade school, uh, when I was in seventh grade, like we played Donovan McNabb, you know, several times a year. I remember in high school, just going to a high school basketball uh, game and seeing Antoine Walker play. I saw, I actually saw at the state tournament, Kevin Garnett went against Thornton and they had one future NBA player on their team and like four NFL players on their team. Uh, I got to see Ronnie Fields play. I got to just see, you know, so many guys that moved on to the next level and guys I actually played against. It was tough in college watching that. Like, you know, I'm sitting there at an NAIA school and all these guys that I grew up playing with, you see them in the NFL and you're just like, ah, good guy, you know, they're in the NFL and here I am, you know, not in the NFL. But it was great growing up in Chicago, just, you know, the, uh, the, the talent pool and the competition was awesome. Loved it. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, I mean, I I personally, Chicago is one, one of my favorite places, if not my my favorite place uh, to go. Um, just the atmosphere, the sports mm-hmm. town, like, they got it all. You talked about being a Southside guy and a White Sox fan, man. How about them White Sox right now, bro? Man, they're doing good. They're, yeah, they're doing really good. Uh, throw the Cubs, unfortunately, but wouldn't mind seeing the – wouldn't mind seeing the Sox wipe them out at the end of the year. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think that's the dream for every yeah. Sox fan is just to, to get one over on the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, when they won the World Series, like I wasn't cheering for them at all. Like I was I was rooting against them when they made it to the World Series. I was I, I was not happy. If you're a true Sox fan, you were not happy for the Cubs, even though it's a Chicago team. So you're you're a fan of Steve Bartman. What's that? You're a fan of Steve Bartman? Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm sorry. Not really. <laughs> nah. nah. I, I thought maybe he was hiding out in the south side. So, <laughs> But, man, how, how did you go from Chicago to Bolton High School? How does that journey happen? Well, well actually, when I graduated uh, college, I moved to Atlanta for eight years. My wife was already living out there, so I moved out there got married and then Atlanta was just it was a tough place to live man it's the traffic every just everything about it. I just Atlanta wasn't for me and uh traffic the very negative city no one is from Atlanta everyone that lives in Atlanta most people have you know migrated there and everyone wants to go home you know you're at the bar on Sunday watching a game and everyone just wishes they were back home watching it with their family and friends so after about eight years my wife and I decided hey let's just let's move and my wife has family here that live in Germantown and it's only six six and a half seven hours to Chicago so let's move to Memphis I'm closer to home you have family there and I just went and applied to all these schools and Bolton hired me you you talked about people hating Atlanta and then going out to watch games and then them just wanting to leave. I mean, do, did you see the game on Sunday? I mean, do you blame them? <laughs> it's just, but that's the thing. No one was – okay, like, for, like, when I moved out there, the Bears came out there and, you know, played in the, um, in the Georgia Dome. And, the you know, the, the, the Bears fans outnumbered the Falcons fans three to one. And there was a whole – you know, this is, you know – Michael Vick was, still, you know, playing out there. He was huge at the time. This is before, you know, all that, you know, all that stuff went down. And it's just whenever there was a home game, there were more people from 
you know, whatever city they were playing, you know, there were more fans there you know, for that team than there were for the Falcons, the Hawks. Uh, the Braves fans, they were pretty, pretty loyal out there. But, you know, you'd have to buy and it'd be full of Steelers fans or Eagles fans and stuff. No one was, like, rooting for Atlanta or anything. It's just no one really cared about the teams out there. They all, you know, they, it was just weird. So, Rod, two things before we, we talk about your writing. One, you sound like Al Capone in all the mob movies, and I love it. Just, <laughs> just, just first of all, let me, let, me, let me address that. And then second, I got on a, I got on a Sox hat. I am a, I'm a Cardinals fan, but as a kid, I was a diehard Frank Thomas fan. And I have to tell you, when I was stationed in Chicago in the Navy, I went down to Comiskey Park, and I'm not going to lie to you, man. That's the scare, the most scared I've ever been going to a sporting event in my life. I thought I was going to get shanked on the way in, brother. Uh, it, yeah, it's not the it's not the best of neighborhoods out there uh, by there. And uh, you said you're a Cardinal fan. See, I like the Cardinals because if anyone hates the Cubs as much as the Sox, it's the Cardinals. So well, we're all we're all three on this podcast Cardinals fans, and we all hate the Cubs. So we we yeah. should all be good with you, brother. Yeah, okay, that's awesome. But, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, but Comiskey Park, I think I forget what it's called now. Uh, it's changed names so many times. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's not in the best neighborhood at all. Not at all. Not even- yeah, not at all. And then, and then I did go to Wrigley, and I went with Daniel there. That's what he's talking about. And uh, he took me when it was like 180 degrees in the outfield, and I thought I might die of a heat stroke. So that, that's my experience of Wrigley. <laughs> so- yeah, yeah. Wrigley's crazy because you're just in a regular neighborhood. You know, you turn a corner and you see a, a major league ballpark, like in the middle of like, you know, some neighborhood. It's it's weird out there. But, yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> Chicago, definitely a good sports town, one neighborhood or another. But uh, yeah. so uh, let's talk about your writing, man. When did you become a writer? Well, you know, I'm, a, I'm an English teacher, so I've always been really, really good at writing. And – as far as MMA, and that's how I broke into the business. I, uh, in 2009, the UFC came to Memphis, and they were at the, the forum. And I've always wanted to get into the fight business, and I hit up I hit up V3. I hit up two or three other promotions and just asked, you know, and then hit up other people asking them, how, you know, I want to get into the fight business. What could I do? And they – they said, well, you know, you can matchmake, you can do this, or you got to be more specific. You can write, you can do this. I'm like, oh, okay, writing, that's, I can do that. That's right up my alley. So I started working for a website, writing, it's called ATO, Around the Octagon. And I would cover like the local, the local events here in Memphis, V3, you know, bang, other, other uh, promotions. And then V3 brought me on as their PR guy in 2000 and, uh, 2010, 2011. And I would write press releases, articles, and I broke into some boxing, writing press releases and articles. So I started off uh, in 2010, you know, with, uh, with Around the Octagon. And then ever since then, I wrote for a couple of other websites. And that's how I actually broke into the MMA business. Yeah, no, that's actually pretty cool because a lot of people um, aren't actually formally writers and aren't English teachers like you that, like, really enjoy it and then get to write about what they're passionate about, right? So, you, you get to double down. So, that's pretty cool. Right, right. Okay, so who and exactly you got to know who you're writing to. You know, right, got to know right. who you're writing to. Because, like, let's face it, fight fans, they're not going to sit there and read, like, a four-page, you know, article. You know, they want to who, what, where, when, why, short and sweet. So, you kind of know your audience and – 
and, 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 I, and I'm your fun. and I'm your guy on that. I'm not somebody who's going to read page after page. Hit, hit me with exactly. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. So who do you, uh, I heard you mention it in there? So who do you write for exactly right now? Well, now I'm a matchmaker, and I well I was writing for V3 fights, and then we we you know we got acquired you know acquired by CFFC, and I haven't wrote, written anything for them yet. Uh, I don't know if I will in the future. I, I'm not sure, but um, I was with V you know V3 fights up until we got bought out. So really, no one right now. Actually, I did do a. Uh, a little bit of writing for this past event. You guys were talking about pro wrestling. One of our um, commentators is CM Punk. And if you remember him from, from WWE. So what I did for him and Eric Andrews was the other commentator. He's in the UFC, fought for us several times at V3 fights. I actually typed up a couple pages for them, a fight-by-fight -fight breakdown, like kind of like fun facts about each fighter. Like this guy's a high school English teacher. This guy quit his job on Tuesday and signed a pro contract on Wednesday and, you know, wrote a couple paragraphs, you know, for each fight. And I gave it to, to, to Punk and Eric. So I guess you can say that's like the, the last writing I did was the other day. And it was just kind of like commentary notes for, for CM Punk and Eric Anders. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Daniel's probably going to read it tomorrow because you you mentioned it. And he's such a big wrestling guy. He I watch him. <laughs> start moving around and getting antsy over there as you mentioned the fighter's name so uh i'm i'm pretty sure he might jump in and uh read that yeah, i'd i'd give my left arm for cm punk to come back to wwe man. oh yeah you know he was he was doing that whole fox thing for a while i don't know if he's still doing it um not working for wwe but doing a lot of like i don't know uh talking about the wwe it's, it's I don't even know how to explain it, but uh, yeah, he's our commentator. I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. Huge pro wrestling fan. Oh, damn! I'm actually we got recording raw right now. The next episode. Yeah, me too. I we'll we'll talk <laughs> we'll talk more. Hey, I gotta get so, some info from me on that. So yeah. I got one more question for you, Rod, and then I'm gonna let uh, Randy take over. So you know, we're sitting here talking about all these different things. You said you're not currently writing now. What's the best way for us to go find a lot of the stuff you've written? Is it as simple as just Google searching, or is there certain websites that uh you, that we can go to and and, and seek you out? Uh, you know, if you know, I have not even. Check to see if the V3 uh, site is still up. If it is, you can go to V3Fights.com. A lot of those press releases I, I wrote, and that was for our show. I've, you know, it was before the, the pandemic hit, but um, that's probably the last of the writing you'll see because that was the last event we did up until this, uh, this past weekend. But, like, I'm not really writing for uh, an MMA, MMA website anymore as much as I was doing it for the promotion. But now that we uh, were with CFSC, I think they have writer. Someone's doing their press releases. It's really good too. But um, maybe I'll dabble in on if they ask me to. I, I definitely will. But uh, v3fights.com. If the website's still up, which I think it may be, I think that's the um, that's the latest stuff I, I've uh, I've written. So Rod, let's let's get into the matchmaking. You know, you kind of went through that process, and you kind of mentioned it already. But are you just matchmaking for CFFC, or is that it? Let's tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. For CFFC, we, um, you know, I was, I, I transitioned from uh, PR into matchmaking when our, um, when the V3 matchmaker, when, when he left, Nick had just, he carried me on over as the matchmaker because when I was doing PR, I had such a, I'm such a, a fight fan and I knew all the, 
the fighters anyway from from writing and doing articles and interviewing them. Uh, and I, I so I helped matchmake. I've always helped matchmake if someone needed a fighter or something. So it was just an easy transition to to bring me on. So I started matching for for V three fights and. Of course, when we got acquired by CFFC, I'm matching for them now. Uh, but, you know, we have three matchmakers, myself, Jason Lederfein, and Arias Garcia. Jason and I take care of the southeast when we have shows here, and Arias takes care of the, the northeast when they have events up there. Yeah, and for those who don't know, the you mentioned Nick. It's Nick Harmeyer, good Nick friend Harmeyer. and a brother of the show. Oh, he's so, been on here? He's been on? No, no, no. He hasn't been on it. We, you know, uh, he will be hopefully. You okay, know, I, yeah. I wasn't going to tell him, but he got on roll and uh, Anthony's podcast first. I'm not going to hold it against him, but Nick, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> hey, Randy, Randy, I, I, I think haven't, it, I haven't been on Anthony and, and uh, I haven't been on Tony and uh, Raul's podcast. Hey, so Randy, we got the one we needed first. Randy, yeah. you always do the shout outs, you know, and everything. And it's, it's so funny because me and you've talked about it. So everybody talks about Nick Harmeyer and him, his spot in, this, in, the, in the fighting game and everything. And, uh, and I'll tell you, Rod, so all, all these Harmeyers are talked about and everything, and it's funny to me because then me and Randy get to talking. My sister was married to the oldest one, and I hung out with them when I was a little, little kid. Okay. And then now I don't know them at all, but then I hear about them or whatever, and it's like, man, maybe I should have stayed in contact even though that whole uh, marriage <laughs> thing didn't work out because these guys got it going on. But I, I knew them before yeah. everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're cool guys, man. I love Love the Harmeyers, man. I'm, I'm actually friends with with all of them, uh, Nick, Jim, and all of them, Nathan. Yeah, same, same for me. So, let's kind of talk. Let's dig into that matchmaking. Let's okay. talk about the process that you and Jason and Arias go through when you're looking <laughs> to find the guys. It's oh, it's so much harder than it, than it than it seems. People think it's such a uh, easy and fun job, and I mean, I we do love what we do, but it's the most stressful thing that just Oh, there's just it's crazy. First of all, you know, you gotta when you have an event, you have in your mind who you wanna see fight who. You know, and you wanna put these local dream matches together and it's just not that easy because you gotta hit up the coaches and you know, the coaches are like, Well, you know, no, no, I don't wanna fight I don't wanna fight that guy. That guy's eight. No, I don't wanna put my guy in him. Do you have anybody else? Who else do you have? We'll fight this guy, this guy, and this guy. I'm like, of course you'll fight them. That guy, that guy's two and five. Of course you're going to fight that guy. So what we do is we put, you know, in our head, we put together some matches we want to see. We, uh, we go for it. Then we, and then we try to match them up. Those are like our, our headliners. Remember Bryce Mitchell from, you know, from a few years ago, Eric Anders, guys like that, you know, big stars that we want to see on the card. Then after that, we'll hit up matchmakers and gyms. Uh, like coaches and just who do you have available? Like we'll go to, I have all the coaches in this area, Nashville, Arkansas, uh, Mississippi, Chattanooga, St. Louis. Then I'll hit up all the gyms and say, okay, what fighters do you have available for, let's say on September 17th and 18th. And they'll give me a list of names, weights, and records. Then we'll hit up, you know, the managers, the big time managers and say, okay, what unsigned talent you guys have that you want to see fight soon. And they'll give me a list. So we'll have a list of like, you know, well, God, for the CFFC show, it was like 60, 70 guys it seemed like because no fights were going on. So everyone wanted their guys fighting. So, okay, this guy's 145. He's 7-1. and one. This guy's 5-2. and two. They haven't fought each other. Let's try to get this one together. That'd be a good one. 
You got two world-class grapplers. Let's see if they want to go against each other. And, you know, we have a good striker and a good grappler. Let's see if they – so we kind of do it that way. We, you know, we got guys that we want to put together and see, and we'll try to make those first. But then we'll have the coaches and see who they give us. And based on who they give us, they'll, you know, we'll, we'll match them up. You know, and that's a lot harder than it, than it seems because then you got to, you know, hit the coaches up and say, okay, hey, how about I got this guy for him? Ah, he has too much experience. I need someone with less experience. Uh, you know, and then, you know, you have, okay, yeah, we'll fight him, but we want X amount of dollars for it. And it's like just some ungodly amount of money. So, I want $1 million. Yeah, you know, it's, just, it's crazy. So, you know, and then, you know, you got guys like, okay, let's say we match a fight and it's a good fight and three weeks before the fight, the guy got hurt in training. So now we got to find – and a replacement. So we did all that, that contacting, that negotiating, sent the contracts out, and they get hurt. So we got to kind of have to repeat the process and, you know, and, and find someone else for them. And so it's, it's, it's very tough. Like we had someone who – we had one guy who had – he went through four opponents. He was coming in from Philly or, from Philly or Jersey, I forget. He was a, uh, a, a Gracie – he was from the Gracie gym up there. And – he had one fight, a guy from Mississippi, that guy got hurt. Then we found him, uh, we found him a guy from Louisiana, and during the weight cut, he, uh, he cut too much weight and was hospitalized. So then I found another guy out of Atlanta the day before weigh-ins. He's like, yeah, I talked over my family. It, it's, we think it's smart. I don't take this fight on short notice. So... You know, the day of the uh, – or the, yeah, the day before weigh-ins, we found a guy who was already on the card as an amateur going to fight and said, hey, do you want to make your pro debut against this guy? And, and he stepped up and did it. So, you know, oh, I saw just, that. Just, just stuff like that. And I probably shouldn't be saying this right now, but hopefully no one from SCS sees it. But, like, I'm teaching virtually in this room right here, and I mute my mic, turn my camera off, and I'm on my phone in the other room. And they're doing a worksheet saying, hey, hey, do you want to, like, hey, does Nathan want to make his pro debut and like there's so I mean, I'm teaching and then you have the room doing that and talking to the promoter and stuff so a lot of stuff like that Bold probably shouldn't honest baby probably shouldn't admit that but I, I, I don't know if anyone from SCS yeah. is uh, <laughs> watching the MMA thing so maybe yeah, yeah. hey shout out to Dr. Ray so you you mentioned you reaching out to a lot of people how many yeah. How many messages and emails and texts do you get from coaches and fighters saying, hey, put me on your show. I'm a badass. Especially more – this one more than ever. Just Well, yeah, maybe, yeah, probably this one more than ever because no one's fought for so long since, what, February. Yeah, February, uh, the pandemic hit. So March, April, May, June, July. I mean, no one no, – no, no one's fighting. The UFC was going on finally, but nothing – locally so oh man i mean you just if you looked at my phone whether it's a messenger or text message email just you know person after person and just fighters coaches hey and they, I, I i was sent the list of like you know 20 something guys they had put any one of these guys and then you know uh one of them brian hall uh, he gave me a list of guys and i go okay brian i can get this guy and this guy and he's like well, what about this guy this guy and this guy and I'm like, hold on I'm one at a time now let me match this one at a time but i mean oh it was it, it, was, it was fun, but at the same time, you know, you, you feel bad because we're doing two shows and there are just some people that you want to get in a car and you just can't because, you know, you 
we we're allowed seven fights on each um on each card. So, Rod, how know. do you turn the law down after all he did for me? Oh no, I didn't turn. No, I didn't. We didn't turn it down. We got his guys on. Uh, we didn't turn his guys on, but it's just uh, yeah. can't yeah, get them all. No, no, we did not turn. Yeah, we put a couple of his guys on. Now one of his guys ended up getting that we put on ended up getting COVID, so he had to pull out. That was one of the things. So we had to find someone to. Uh, uh, replace that. So I mean, we got his guys on. His guy, you know, Reggie did really good. He did really good. He won. So his guy won. His amateur on the on the card won. So now look, yeah, Brian Hall, he was well represented uh, both nights. Yeah. I got a question for you, Rod, and I don't want you to have recency bias. Okay. okay? And I've seen a ton of V three fights. I've I've been uh, you know V three since the beginning, right? As a fan yeah. and all that. I want to know what is the best card that you helped or did book yourself, matchmate? Okay. Um, I, well, it really wasn't a V3. It was when Bellator came to town, um, and then World Series of Fighting came to town. What it is, these promotions come to town, and they you know, uh, Bobby Lashley was on the card. If you guys know Bobby Lashley oh, yeah. from WWE, he was on. And, like, so Bellator came, and they're going to put on an event like the TV portion of it. But – they want the undercard full of local pros. So Bellator would come to V3 and say, hey, you know, you guys are the, obviously the biggest in, in the area. You're the biggest around. So we want you guys to put the undercard together. So, I mean, I got this huge budget. I was able to put, like, Eric Anders on, uh, Wade, uh, Wade Johnson, Tyler Hill, Jaleel Willis, who just got signed with Bellator. Shout out. North, North. Yeah, yes. I had him on the card. So that was probably the best one. The other one was a World Series of Fighting. It was um, right oh God, a few years ago. It was – I only got two – they only had four uh, fights on the main card. So I got to do two of them. I put Jaleel on one, and I put Thug Nasty, Bryce Mitchell on it. So even Hello. though I only got a couple of them, I mean, that – both the – like Bryce Mitchell got – you know, he – you know, when he was like – what do you say? I'm, you know, I'm from the streets. I'm straight hood or I'm straight yeah, thug or something like that. Nasty. That was the, the event that did. So probably those two uh, were the, um, the, the best. And as far as the, um, the best V3 one, you know what? It may have been the last one that we did. And it was an all amateur card. You know, some of the best cards we had were all amateurs. Like we've had all amateur cards where on that card, you've had like three or four guys eventually hit the UFC. So, Probably the last one in February. I mean, that place was packed. Packed. The fights, you know, we had a, a good amount of decisions, knockouts, submissions. So that last one in February of uh, uh, 2020 was really, really good. But I, I think the Bellator and the World Series one, just because uh, I was able, you know, when big promotion like that come to town, all the good fighters they're willing to fight each other on that card, you know. So <laughs> that, you know, so that that was those are probably the best ones I put together. So, yeah, to talk about V3 a little bit, you know, obviously, you know, started from the bottom and rose, right, Nick? Right. Uh, with a lot of guys, built a huge thing with a lot of help like you. And um, so, but that journey, just talk to the people. What, what is or what was V3 fights? Oh, man, it was, it was so much more than a fight for anyone who just – who went to it. Like, a lot of these local promotions, and I'm not dogging them. I'm not dogging them at all. My, my good friend, a lot of guys I, I, I've actually recruited into the business are now matching and running, you know, promotion over there. But um, a lot of them will put a cage together, they have some lights, they get a DJ in, they, you know, playing the walk-on music, and everyone's enjoying the fights. You come to V3, it was so much more 
than just the fight. You know, we had um, JJ DJing playing awesome music. We had like the, the HD screens. We had the lights. We had the smoke, the walkout sun. People made an event out of it. Like they would get dressed up. They come to it. They sometimes they got a party bus depending on who was fighting. Afterwards, they would go downtown, hit the after party. The weigh-ins was an event within itself. So V3 was just so much more than just a Saturday night fight. They actually planned their weekend around it, which was really, really awesome. So that's what V3 was. It was it was more than just a fight. I agree. I spent many a weekends planning my uh, weekend around it. You know, yeah. uh, going with Nick, obviously, uh, his brother-in-law is one of my very best friends, my dear brother, David. Uh, we went to you named your uh, softball team after you. Yeah, B three yeah, sponsored it. Yeah. Shout out Mark Strauser for that. <laughs> uh, we, and, hey, and we represented well. We won a yeah, lot, yeah. and we had a lot of fun. We, we did. Didn't, we yeah. didn't kick as much ass as V three, but we we gave it hell. <laughs> so you know, one of the first things I can remember when uh, V three started was the Delta Fair, right? Yeah. I, I don't. It was crazy, you know. The we're not going to talk about some mishaps with the cage, you know. You kind of mentioned a little something. That was the very but, first thing. Oh, yeah, no, they yeah. talk about it still. They talk about it. Yeah. We still talk about that. But man, you talk about some of those. Lo- you talked about earlier local legends, the people that you, t- you know, that you mentioned Brian Hall and you know Jer- Trundle and Chan and just guys that really like paved yeah. the way, right, for what V three ended up becoming. There were some of my yeah. favorite fights to watch. Right. Those guys right. didn't make the UFC, but man, they were fun to watch, right? So right, right, you know, and like like Brian Hall didn't make the UFC, but he's coaching now, and he has his own fight team, and you see him coaching in the UFC now, like Ryan Spann out there. So he's like, and you see him coaching and stuff. So even though he didn't make it, he kind of did be coaching now. Dude, I brought stand up guy, hell of a fighter, and man, he's literally changing lives, man. And from his gym to he really is between. Um, but the, the, the really journey, is. you know, I've talked to Nick about this and Mark and all the guys, Jason, you, but let's just talk about that journey from the Delta fair to where it is now. And see, yeah. you know, from, we're talking, getting publicly traded, we're on wall street. Then all of a sudden now yeah. CFFC, yeah. there's been acquisitions in between. So just talk about that journey for you. Oh, no, it was, yeah. Like I said, I, I joined in, in 2011. So it was or two, yeah, 2011 with my January, 2011 was my first event with them. I believe November 2009 was the Delta Fair. So probably did about four or five shows without me. I wasn't part of them yet. I wasn't even in the MMA business yet. So, but I was still pretty much right in the beginning because when I was doing PR, we were still doing Delta Fair. We were still doing newbies. We were still doing uh, like that. But like when I first came in, we, we graduated to Minglewood Hall. And a little after that, we would go to uh, the, the Cannon Center downtown. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, and then we go to the World Series came to town, World Series of Fighting, and we were in the, the lobby of the FedEx Forum. Bellator comes to town, and we're in the main, the bowl, you know, we're in the main arena at the, at the forum. Then Alliance buys all these promotions, and we're publicly traded on the NASDAQ. That's how we actually got in with CFFC. They were part of the uh, Alliance MMA. So when Alliance folded and, you know, we went back to V3, CFFC, uh, you know, they, they went back and all these, we kind of stayed in touch with them. And it was just, you know, now we're acquired with them and we're on UFC Fight Pass. So from the Delta Fair to UFC Fight Pass. And I have some cool stories about that too, uh, you know, 
if you guys want that about the UFC fight pass. Absolutely. Uh, Tell us. You know, so, you know, we're watching, um, you know, I'm, I'm on, it was Friday morning and they, you know, we had an event Thursday. We had one Friday and Mick Maynard, he, uh, he used to own LFA legacy fights. They're on UFC fight pass. Of course, when uh, Joe Silva retired, they brought UFC brought Mick Maynard on to uh, matchmake for the UFC. So Reggie Adams, who's part of Brian Hall's uh, gym, was fighting Zach Hicks from Nashville MMA. And Mick Maynard, UFC matchmaker, uh, tweeted it out. You know, he was watching CFFC. So here he is watching Reggie fight. So, you know, we, you know, we got local guys now are being watched by the UFC. We have a, uh, another guy, one of the guys I hit up, like, when they told us to hit up these managers, one guy I had to hit up was his name is Ali Abdelaziz. He manages Khabib Nurmagomedov, Henry Cejudo, um, Kamaru Usman, Justin Gagey. He's, in my opinion, he's he's the top manager out there. And he had a guy who's seven and zero from Dagestan, Ramazan Kermagomedov. and he told me Dana White specifically said he is going to be tuning in watching this fight because he wants to watch Ramazan because he's a He's a top prospect. So, you know, now that we're on Fight Pass, the UFC matchmakers, Dana White, they're watching, they're watching what we're doing and what we're creating. So these guys from the local area who are now fighting for CFFC, the UFC eyes are on them now. So that's yeah. just, that's huge. That's huge. So going from Delta Fair to, to you know, Dana White watching yeah. you on his streaming network, that's awesome. That was actually my last question before I hand you back off to Jim was what it meant, you know, for the local fighters and the guys that may or may not have exposure without this. And so it sounds like, you know, we talk about people changing lives. I mean, this is literally changing yeah. lives. I mean, I've watched Jaleel fight, yeah. uh, you know, at Minglewood Hall so many times. He's been mm -hmm. one of my favorite fighters. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing about Jaleel that I love is where he's from. Uh, me and DB, we're both from North Memphis, and you're a teacher. Yeah. We both had a teacher that changed our lives. Shout out, Miss Knight. Miss Knight. <laughs> You know, yeah. Jaleel actually turned down a UFC contract for Bellator because it was uh, it was a better deal. Oh man, yeah. look, Jaleel is my favorite fighter right now. I just I love the heart and just see, and he's such a he's such a humble guy, right? Such a good dude. Yeah. But shout yeah. out to Jaleel in the North North, and and Jim will take us from here. I got I got one quick thing, Rod. You you talked about Dana White, yeah, tuning in to watch some of these these cats fight, but. How often does that happen where you have the UFC or big time promotions like looking at smaller guys trying to, to work their way up? Well, man, now that we're on Fight Pass, I mean, it, it's happening a lot now because, um, you know, the matchmaker, they're, they're always tuning in, you know, because it's their, you know, it's their streaming network. So they, um, like, for example, CFFC. In these two fights that we had to match, there are about four or five guys who were scheduled to fight since the acquisition that never fought on the cards because the UFC, uh, they picked them up. So they're, they're pulling our, our champions all the time. So, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's, it happens more than you would think. And the proof is these guys are uh, – are getting called up. Like I met the guy Reggie was supposed to fight. Reggie Adams was a fight. He got called up to the UFC. Thomas Vasquez from Horn Lake, Mississippi. He was supposed to fight a guy, Trevin Jones. He got called up to the UFC. So all these guys who are, 
you know, who we, we scheduled the fire getting called up to the UFC. So it's happening a lot more. We are the top feeder system into the UFC. You know, we're like the Memphis Redbirds of, you know, uh, like what the Memphis Redbirds are to the Cardinals, we are to the UFC. All, you, all the promotes on Fight Pass are, but we, we've had more than the other, you know, all the others lately, though. Uh, I can tell you this. If Thug Nasty ever makes his debut on UFC, I'll forever be his fan. Oh, no, he's in the UFC. Oh, man, he's he ranked is. in the top 10 or 15 now. Oh, I've, well. I've watched him every time he's been on there. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I only watch it for this very this one reason. For one, he finishes fights in it's the most unconventional fight. way. Yeah, it's and he's fight. so fucking funny, man. You want to know something? That's him. That's, I know. That's, it is not an act for the camera. Like, I've actually been to his, to his place before. I mean, he has a huge piece of land. He has a trailer on that land. He, everything he eats, he hunts every, or grows. Uh, you know, he just, that what you see is what you get. Like when he's in the river taking an ice bath, he's really doing that. That's not for the camera. I mean, that, that, that boy, what you see is what you get. Like he said at my parents' house before in Chicago, when I, I, we went to their training one time, he was getting all some wrestling in. I mean, he, uh, oh yeah, he's in the UFC and he's, uh, man, he, he, he is working his way up the ladder. He's top, I think top 15. He's right now. So he has a fight coming up in October, I believe. All right. So since we're talking all this UFC, let's get into it. Okay. Man, Rod, I want to know what you think because, you know, we all watch it, but we don't know it like you know it. Who's the best pound for pound fighter right now in the UFC? In my opinion, I think it's Khabib. Never mind, man off. I think it's Khabib. A lot of people say it's John Jones, and it, it, it could be, but if you notice, uh, John Jones' last couple of fights, I, I thought he, I thought Dominic Reyes beat him, and Dominic's actually fighting for the title this, uh, this weekend. I think he lost. He's not as dominant as he once was. Uh, I think it's Habib right now. Habib is just dominating his opponents. Like he's before, just before I ask you the next question, I got Randy gritting his teeth on the other end to defend his man John Jones. Randy, do you have anything to say? I think that Rod and I have already had this debate before, man. I'm a John Jones. I, if he could just lay off a little booger sugar, man, it would yeah. be the most dominant. <laughs> he, he's got to get out of his own way. Like, yeah, there, there's a couple aspects, but just because you don't know, I mean, he, he got popped a couple of times with, you know, and that's the only thing, that's the only reason why I'm putting Habib above him. But no, I mean, it, it, there, John Jones very well could easily be the pound for pound. I, I think it's Habib just because he doesn't have those asterisks next to his name yet hey, because. Uh, Rob, real quick, you got to say his last name again, man. Habib? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nurmagomedov. Yeah, English teacher, baby. Shout out Bolton High School. <laughs> Nurmagomedov. So, like, you know, I'm I don't know everything about the the fight game, and so like the best pound for pound is considered different than the best overall fighter. So, with that, who's the best overall fighter? Well, the best overall that is pound for pound. Best pound for pound is the best, and it's the best overall fighter regardless of weight class. Okay, and okay. like I said. So I, I, I think it's Habib, and I think John Jones is a, a close second right now. I guess. Really right. close second, really close. Like I said, man, this, is, this isn't, man, I, I watch them. You know, I'm the guy who goes to Hooters or Buffalo Wild Wings, and I watch yeah. them. I'll make bets on them. 
but I don't know everything. So when I just ask basically the same question back to back, that's my fault. But you know, no, I'm no, that's learning. Fine. That's why I got you. I got you on here to teach me. So that way, Saturday when I watch these fights that we're fixing to get into, I know I know what I'm watching and what to watch for. All right. All right, so who's the best up-and-comer in the UFC? I, I had, had to – It's he just fought last weekend. His name is Amzat Chemayoff. Amzat Chemayoff. He is – he just – I think he won – was it 19 – 17-second. He had a 17-second knockout. This guy, since the pandemic was over, since UFC has been back, I think he's fought three times already. And that's crazy. That's like three times since June. But um, he keeps fighting back-to-back. Like, he fought, like, was it seven or eight days apart? And uh, when they were in Abu Dhabi, he just won uh, this past Saturday. And I think he's going to be going to fight it. He's going back to Abu Dhabi and fighting Damian Maya again. So, like, and, he, and he's just, I'm talking steamrolling through people in two different weight classes, 170 and 185. I'm Zet Chemayoff is his name. Yeah. And actually his manager is Ali, the one we were yeah, that we who came he was at our event, that CFFC event this weekend. Uh just that guy's got the best talent in the world. But Amzet Chemayoff is by far the the hottest up and comer right now in the UFC. And I think with that name, I think I'm gonna be able to remember that because just that I am at the beginning, like <laughs> he could change that to kind of whatever he wants. All right, so let's talk about uh this weekend. Randy had told us a few weeks ago, and that's the reason why we wanted to talk to you. We wanted to talk to you in general to find out about you, but he said you would be able to uh, get us ready for this upcoming weekend because there's been a lot of hype fights over the last few months in these pay-per-view events. But he, he right. said this, this card, specifically the main event, is where it's at. So yeah. let's talk about it. Let's start with the early matches. Yeah. Um, man, I'm going to butcher these names. I'm not the English teacher, um, but – Dawadu against man, tuck it off, man. Hey, hey, I just go with me on these. Dow, yeah, Dawadu. I'm gonna go with Dawadu. Here's the thing about that: when you see someone with like, what's he? Uh, he's a I had rolled down. He's eleven and one. When you see someone with like eleven and one against someone who's like nineteen and eight, a lot of times at eleven and one, those are guys they they're kind of bringing into UFC up and comers. When you see a, a record like that against a guy who like has a lot more fights, like a nineteen and eight record. You know, a lot of those times, those guys are high-level gatekeepers. So, these they're, they're testing these younger guys. So, like, I like Duato. He's the top up-and-comer. So, they're testing the waters with him. So, yeah, that's one of those fights where you have a top up-and-comer going against a really, really tough gatekeeper. All right. And so, if, I, if I'm betting my parlay, who, who, who I need to bet my money on? I'm picking, I'm picking Duato. All right, all right. I'm going to remember that. Hey, if I win some money, I'll send it your way. If I lose it, I'm going to send you a dirty text, all right? So, <laughs> all right, so we got uh, Vieira against Eubanks. What are we talking about here? You know, I'm going with Vieira. I'm not going to go with Eubanks. I, I just – Eubanks, I don't, depending on how the weight cut goes, you know, she's six and four. Uh I really, I really think, yeah, I really don't think she, she's going to win this, even though, you know, I, I've been bragging on her man, manager, Ali, best talent, where I, I really don't think, I think she's going to lose. 
I really well, and I've been and I've been watching. Like I said, I've been watching. I don't know much, but when I watch these Brazilian chicks fight, man, they they know yeah. how to fight. I mean, right, right. So I, if I if I if I didn't have you on here telling me that already, I would assume it would go that way anyway. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, Care France against uh, Roy Val. I'm going with Roy Val. That's the kind of that that whole gatekeeper thing, you know. Roy Val's eleven and four, going to the guy twenty-one and eight. So like yeah, I'm I'm going with I'm going with Rival. Um, that's a tough one though. I mean, it, it, it's pretty much when I, I think I don't know what the odds are right now, but it can't be that far far off. So I'm going with Rival just and that's really just because I, I think of the you know it's the whole the whole gatekeeper thing. But I'm going with Rival. But that's to me that's going to be the closest fight on the card. Yeah, and it's going, on the, and on it's the main funny. card. And it's funny you mentioned that because the last parlay I did down at the Gold Strike, we were making one, and and I looked at uh, and it was it was two months ago, and I can't remember the guy's name, but I I looked at it and it was like, he's nine and zero. I was like, oh man, he's good. And the other guy was yeah. like, eighteen and five. And so I just made an assumption. It's like uh, this assumption. It's like he's undefeated. I'm not. I'm getting the right guy. No, the other guy, like you said, he's he's more. Yeah. So that that can sometimes be deceiving, right? Yeah, and a lot of times you gotta do is look and see if these guys have um if it's their first UFC fight. Like if you're nine and oh and it's your first UFC fight, you gotta kinda be a little hesitant. But if you're nine and oh and you've already had a UFC fight, that those are the guys that you kinda wanna bet on because if they're nine oh in their first fight in UFC you never know because, you know, now they're in the big league, so. I feel like you know what fight I'm talking about because I didn't know that when I made the bet, and as soon as he went out there, <laughs> um, they said that. So, I almost feel like you might not – you might know yeah, what yeah, yeah. it happens more than you – yeah, it happens more than you think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so, getting to uh, the second to last one before the big one, um, Reyes and Blachowicz. I'm Like I said, man, I'm, I'm bad with these names. I'm going with Reyes – you got, to, in my opinion, in my opinion, this is why I have Habib above John Jones. I had Reyes winning that fight. I, I thought Reyes beat John Jones. I thought it was really close. I had him three rounds to two. Other than him, that John Jones fight, Reyes has not just beaten everyone he's fought. I'm talking literally destroyed, knocked them out, knocked them out cold, unconscious, TKO'd him. He is he has steamrolled and dominated everyone except John Jones. And in my opinion, he won that John Jones fight. In my opinion, John Jones is moving the heavyweight because he doesn't want to fight Dominic Reyes. Ooh, I'm probably you're, gonna, you're, you're wrong, but I love you. Hey, I, I, I you know, know what, Randy, I love you, but he hyped me He hyped me on Reyes. He said he's knocking folks out, and then he said he made John Jones move to another division. I might be more excited about that fight than the final fight just because he said a all lot. that. A lot of people, a lot of people are. I really think John Jones is ducking Reyes. I, I think he is. I think he knows what was going to happen, you know. And and I, I I'm friends with um, a guy who works for Matt Weibel, works for first round management. Who they they manage John Jones. And I you know I may catch some flag from him, but I really think John, I think John Jones is ducking Dominic Reyes. I mean, Reyes is destroying people. Bad. I'm talking bad, not just. Sweet out wins like he like Chris Weidman just 
destroyed him. Everyone who they put in front of him, he's destroyed, except John Jones. And in my opinion, he's beat John Jones. Go ahead, Randy. I see you chomping at the bit. Go ahead. Matt Wobble, uh, you know, we asked him to come on the show uh, as well. And he turned it down because he's like being a cop or something. I don't know what he's doing. But yeah. listen, <laughs> I'm all on board with you guy, John Jones. He ain't ducking nobody. He's just trying to give somebody else the chance to get a belt, bro. <laughs> he's going to go take the heavyweight belt. And then he's going to drop back down and take the light heavyweight belt again. Uh, I don't know about that, man. I just – I if you if you see, saw his fights before, even Dominic Reyes, um, Anthony Smith. And Anthony Smith, you know, he fought a couple guys. And, I mean, he, he lost to – Anthony Smith lost a, a Glover to shower or something. And, like, all these guys, John Jones, have been fighting Santos, Smith. I mean, they're they're cutting it close to him. He's winning, like, three rounds to two. Uh, you know, it's it, it just split decision. Some guy people have, you know, the other guys winning. So, it's just he's he's squeaking by these wins now. And I don't know – if it's Hey Rod, I, I don't know if you I don't know if you heard, but Randy, man, he looked up the statistics the other day. We're we're in the top fifty percent podcast in America. Man, we are killing these listens. And I don't know, John might be listening to this. He might listen to this and I, I hope you are well protected at your house where he'll come looking for you. <laughs> Ah, man, I mean, I mean, bring Thug Nasty Leo with me, you know? <laughs> yeah, bring Thug Nasty over. Yeah, I and and it's not like I'm I'm not stating that. I mean, he's squeaking by these these wins. I, I really do think he he's. I think he knew he knew what happened in the Dominic Reyes fight, and I think that's why he's going to heavyweight, which is crazy because Francis Ngannou is a freaking monster. I don't know why you you know you barely you know would, would want to do that, but. Uh, because he's the greatest of all time, Raw. That's why he wants to yeah. He's bored. He's ready for a new yeah. challenge. <laughs> did you watch the race fight? Did you watch the race fight? I did. I did. And I'm not – I agree. Who'd you have winning? Very, Be honest. Who'd you have winning? I had Reyes winning. I did. Yeah. I did. See? I had Reyes winning. But here's what I'm saying. I, honest to God, I think that John Jones has gotten so cocky and confident that he's not giving it what he used to. When that dude first came in, he was mauling, destroying people. I mean, mm -hmm. and I just don't see that anymore. And I didn't see it the Weidman fight. I didn't see it from then on, really. Right, right, right. You know, that, that, exactly. So, you know, and you don't know, is it because – is he doing something different in gym because, you know, of Usada? I'm just – you know, I'm – you know, who – He's been popped before. So is it when he was was it a use was it because Usada wasn't testing before? You know, you just we don't know. And that's the only reason why I'm picking Habib right now above him because of those assets, because you don't know what it is, because you know, you see him steamrolling rampage, uh, shogun and stuff, then he's going against Santos, Smith, and you're like, Man, why is he not destroying these guys like he did these other guys? You know, it you know, it, it is you know, father time catching up to him. You just don't know. So I hated you know. the rampage fight, man. Rampage friend of me three, obviously. But yeah. man, uh Memphis own nine oh one. But oh, that, yeah. I hated to see that. I wish we could have saw Rampage fight John Jones when Rampage was five, six, seven yeah. years younger. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the same Rampage that was fighting Vanderlei. That that Rampage picking people up, slamming them. Yeah. He just wasn't the same. I actually coached his son uh, two years ago at Bolton. Uh, we co-opt. We co-opt with uh, Moss Memphis Academy of Health Science. Actually, Nick Nick hooked it up for us. He was like, "Hey, you know, Raja Rampage's son wants to wrestle. What can you do for him?" I'm like, "We can co-op, and I can coach him." 
And uh, same thing, man. He was picking guys up, slamming, slamming people. I mean, he wrestled just like Rampage. Never wrestled before. Made it to the region finals. Made it to state. You know, awesome kid. Uh, he's actually training in California now. He's at training to fight now with uh, a top gym. So, yeah. So, but like John Jones, you know, he's just not steamrolling these guys like he did before. So, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's, I don't know. So, that's why I don't know, man. Randy, you're so good at this podcast game. You know, hit the gym hard. I'm watching this Saints game at the same time we're doing this podcast, and you said pick him up and slam him at the same time Hendrickson from the Saints picked up the running back and slammed him to the ground, like as if, you were, as, if, as if you were calling the game. That is brilliant. I, I mean, to, for you to simultaneously, simultaneously do this podcast and call a football game is, hey, man, you're good. But I got, That's Bolton High School, baby. <laughs> That's a, a face get, for, for podcasts and a voice – of an angel. <laughs> voice of an angel. All right, so we got to get to the big one, man. Hey, you got you got to let us know. Let's. I want to play this a certain way. Daniel likes to do this a lot. Let's say we got our regular listeners coming in who do not watch UFC. Forget all the other fights. Tell them why this fight is the fight that Randy even told us. Randy said this is going to possibly be the best fight of the year. So yeah. tell us why – and, like, I'm going to blow the names again, Adesanya and Costa, why this fight is such a big deal. They're both undefeated. Neither one of them knows what it's like to lose. They, and they're, 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 they're just, like, Costa's destroying people. Adesanya was destroying people up until a couple uh, fights ago. You know, he had a tough one over Mary. He won by decision. You know, he's winning decisively. He's not knocking people out like he was before. But, I mean, styles make fights. And Adesanya is a great counter striker. Costa comes at you and he comes at you hard and aggressively. So how is Adesanya, how is he going to counter that aggressive style? But both these guys, I believe the 19-0 against a 13-0, I yeah, believe. That's what, I, that's what I'm looking at. The biggest thing that's standing out to me is that 8-inch that reach that Adesanya right. has. That seems like that's going to yeah. be a big factor. Yeah, he yeah, especially the counter like BB likes. Yeah, he has a reach. He has reach against just about everyone, and uh, you know he's gonna have to keep it on the outside and and counter punch. But I mean, that that that's gonna be an awesome fight because I mean, before Adesanya was a MMA fighter, he was a kickboxer and a high level kickboxer, and Costa. I mean, he's you know, he's just he's standing bang. So I don't think this one's gonna go to the ground a whole lot. I think it's going to be a, uh, you know, a, a technical fight, but it's going to be – like Dana White thinks it's going to be fight of the year. Uh, I think it has – you know, there's some good fights that were out there, um, uh, Joanna and Zhang and stuff, but uh, that's going to be a hard one to beat. But So you're telling me we got two, two undefeated guys. We got guys who guys. you just said aren't going to the ground a lot, which is always appealing to somebody. They want to see them stand yeah. up and battle. And, and so you're saying these things. And, hell, I'm looking at these pictures. Ladies, Costa's abs look Photoshopped. So if you need another reason to watch, hey, ladies, join in on this fight because this, this dude, win or lose, he's winning the ab battle. I mean, the other – Adesanya is 6'185". He ain't, ain't going to be fat either, big dog. 
He ain't, but I, I'm just like, it was funny. I was looking at his picture, and it was the first thing that came up. You know, I ain't checking out dudes, but, man, I was like, God, is are those abs real? I was like, fuck that guy. I was like, I'm so mad. And where do you see Adesanya when he walks out? He has the coolest entrances. Like, he has a WWE-type entrances as well. That's like he'll, why I'm rooting for him. Yeah, he'll play some Michael Jackson, come out doing a Michael Jackson dance or some kind of hip-hop dance. I mean – he definitely is entertaining. He's definitely I, I'm all I'm all about the uh, the Tom Hardy and Warrior no music walk out beat somebody within thirty <laughs> seconds walk back out kind of style. <laughs> Look, hey, so check it out, we, Rod. I know you've seen that movie. We tell Daniel about that movie. Daniel still hasn't seen that movie, and so he's always like, Jim, you and Randy, man, y'all be sweating Tom Hardy. And it's like you got to watch the movie to know, man. You do, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Rob, real quick though, he he says that we sweat Tom Hardy, but this man sweats Scottie Pippen. I mean, I I, I don't think it's a fair place. Like <laughs> well, it's because we want to say Scottie Pippen's a man. Ex- yeah, well, Ron, you can appreciate it, that from it, Randy. Chicago. <laughs> Randy, he's so long. It, yeah, this he man, we watched the last dance. That's actually why we started the podcast. Well, that is where we started the podcast, and man, he just got infatuated with that deep voice and them long big hands man <laughs> i was like whoa i mean we so would have to been, stop the podcast for a minute it's been kind of a like, running joke ever since uh you know every time something's long scotty pippen gets brought up hey i just i just thought of something though rod and, and real quick um you know i talk a lot of shit about memphis versus chicago but then i just admitted that we started our podcast around uh the last dance the team out of chicago so man i'm gonna have to give you this one yeah, my brother was just at a steakhouse with fiance, and Scotty Pippen was there. Scottie actually, Pippen hey, I gotta ask you a question, Rod. Actually, I gotta ask you a question because it came, it came up, it came up at a, uh, my daughter's soccer practice the other day, and and and, it, and then Chicago got brought into it. The Bulls. So the guy's a Montreal hockey fan, and he said they have the most titles ever, but they haven't won since '92. And I said, yeah, but you got the most titles ever. And and so it got to discussing. Do do Bulls fans feel the same way? Even though they haven't been winning recently, do they still just throw out those six titles and say, "Well, you know what? We had a long run of it. We're still content." Yeah, we we do, and and, and it helps when you have Michael Jordan. That when you know you have six titles, and you have you know the greatest player of all time there. So I mean, that that kind of helps and helps solidify it as well. When you know you can't really argue that. You know what I'm saying? Like. 72 and you know 72 and 10 Michael Jordan you know it was and it was so much fun growing up in that era like when I was like just I got to go to like three or four of the games because they were hard to come by I mean I mean every game was sold out I mean it was so yeah, it was that, so they fun. said that during the documentary man they were they were talking about that how hard it was so the fact that you said you got to go to three or four that's actually I mean yeah. that's really cool within itself yeah, I mean, you got some Rodman stories and stuff. Cause you'd see Rodman out at the bars and stuff like that. Just some crazy, I mean, some crazy times, man. It was fun though, so much fun. Hey, Rod, I got a qu- question for you. I'm gonna put your you're a matchmaker, all okay. right? But now you're matchmaking for the UFC. You've mentioned pound for pound, best fighters, second best fighters. If you got a matchup, dream matchup, right now, who is it? Well, I want to see Habib and GSP. Everyone wanted to see that. But, you know, GSP, he's 40 years old. We don't know how, you know, how he's doing. So, right now, here's what I would do. Adesanya fights at 185, but he does not cut hard to 85 at all. He can easily go 170. 
So from what I hear, like from Chelsea and everyone, he can go 170. Khabib has missed weight at 55 before. And so he can go 70. I would love to see those two. Well, granted, they have fights coming up. Khabib's got Gage. Yeah, Asani has Costa. They both win. I would love to see them go for a, a, a fight at 170 just as a, you know, just as a, a super fight. I think it'd be awesome. 200 feet of fighters, if they both win, that, that's the one. Not a lot of people talk about that, but no, that I, could I, happen. I like that Speaking of super fights, and we talked about John Jones, and it's been a lot of, uh, you know, I guess, uh, boardroom chatter. Do you think that Brock Lesnar is going to come back and fight in the UFC? I think he could. I th- yeah, I, I think that's definitely a possibility. I really Will he do. fight John Jones? You know what? I want to say yes, only because um, Stipe and uh, Francis Ngannou, that's already there. They had the title fight. So, you know, if John Jones wants to get paid, which he's probably going to want to, and uh, Brock is a big money fight, and Stipe and Ngannou, have, they're already set to fight. You know, I think it makes sense money-wise and everything for Jones and, and Brock. Cause I don't see Jones just sitting around waiting for the winner of that. Cause that's going to, you know, that's just going to, that's just more time he's going to have to wait. So I, I can definitely see Brock and uh, John Jones going for, it. I, I think it's a possibility. I do. Well, one last question before I turn you back over to DB. Obviously it was a huge weekend last weekend for CFFC, uh, you know, a lot of local fighters, but talk about you guys, you know, your upcoming events and, and the current stuff we got going on. Well, you know, we uh, we have – what we're going to do is we're going to do two shows a month for the rest of 2020. So we have at the end of October, uh, we're going back to Philly. And then we're going to for, – for two days in a row, uh, two events in a row. Then we're going to do two in November, two in December. We don't have the lo- dates. We don't have the dates and locations yet. But I, I think it's going to be somewhere in the south, whether it be Florida, Carolina, maybe back here in Tunica. I'm not sure, but we're we are definitely doing two shows a year for the rest of 2020. And our next one's in Philly. Okay, so let me know if y'all roll down to Tampa. Give me the heads up. Oh, for sure, oh, for sure. Check it out. So before we end every guest segment, we like to play a game. It's called This or That. You down right. to play a little game before you get off here? Yeah, that's cool for sure. All right, so it's real simple. It's it's you get two options. You pick one option or the other. The only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. Okay. You down? Yeah, I'm down. All right. If you were fighting, would you rather knock someone out or have someone tap out? Tap out. Why? It's the, the sexy thing is like a knockout. On the ground and I, I don't stand like knockout. I'm just kind of a wrestler. I, I favor the ground. So, all right, so that leads me into to a question that I always have. Mm-hmm. Like, if if you are a ground guy, like, is there one particular move that you're trying to, like, get to, or you just have an array of moves that you just try to use yeah. whenever the opportunity is there? You have an array of moves. You can, you know, you, once you take them down and you're on top, you can submit, or you can just, you can ground and pound them out. So you can, you can, you can still punch. Or you can submit them. You can do both. It's just, it's you know, you can throw them on the ground. I mean, and that's where 90, 90% of the fights end up on the ground anyway. So, if you know what you're doing on the ground, you're pretty much guaranteed. When two guys are throwing punches, anything can happen. On the ground, it's a little different. If you know what you're right. doing on the ground, more than likely you're going you're gonna to win. I got you. So, 
Would you rather have money or would you rather have friends? Friends. Big, big question. Ah, friends. Have friends. Friends. And that's, yeah. That would be the wrong. Are you lying? Come on. I'm not lying, but I do want to. I love money, but I mean, I love money, but no, nah, man, I wouldn't get my friends. I mean, you know. I've had to hey, say Randy, you. we're going to have to take you off as a – no, look, you're no longer going to be on the show. You're going to have to be a guest so we can have someone actually pick money. Oh, man. You know, I, I, I actually – Rod's the first one I believe because shout-out to every teacher in the world, but they ain't doing it for the money, bro. <laughs> we are not. <laughs> Rod, we've had a bunch of college – athletes on here actually say friends over money and, and randy tries to give them the same advice every time you can buy friends yeah well rod as you know i left the school district for this very yeah. reason <laughs> you know but if you have money man you don't know if you're, the people who around you are, are are your friends because of your friends or because of the money at least you know making a teacher's salary i know they're really my friends because they're not here looking for the money right. man so you talked about UFC a little bit, and you talked about Bellator. Which one would you pick? Would UFC. UFC? Mm -hmm. What is the difference between UFC and Bellator? There's got to be some type of difference, right? There is. There, there is. Um, UFC is, well, they, for the most part, from top to bottom, they pay more. Uh, Bellator you have they have a lot of guys under contract, but then they'll also use locals to fill the undercard, non-undercard. So you can have some guys like like when I matched for Bellator, the guys I matched, yes, they fought on a Bellator undercard, but they weren't Bellator fighters. They weren't signed by Bellator. Of course, they paid them for that one fight, but they weren't under contract with them after that fight. UFC, if you fight in the UFC. You're under contract with them. You can only fight for them. Bellator, you have a hand. You have a good amount of fighters like that, but not everyone. So, you know that's the big thing. Bellator, you can have your own sponsors. UFC, you kind of have a uniform you have to wear, and they they pay you. UFC has bigger bonuses than Bellator. Bellator doesn't do. They just do TV and streaming network. UFC does streaming, TV, and pay per view. So, that's, those are the big differences. Gotcha. So, WWE or actual real like Olympic wrestling? Ah uh, man, I gotta go with Olympic wrestling right here. See it in my hat. Yeah, my colleagues would kill me if I said WWE, even though I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. I'm gonna go watch it after this, but definitely real, definitely real, uh, collegiate and Olympic style wrestling. All right. So, would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Past. Past for sure. So you 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 talk some some heavy stuff about John Jones. Yes. But you know, would you be would you prefer John Jones or Daniel Cormier? Uh, as far as a fighter or just overall? Just overall. Cormier. Oh, Randy, man. Wrong. That's not as far as, like, as far as like okay, let's say Cormier, meaning like, you know, he was a great fighter, great champion, he's doing commentary, things like that. Straight up fighter. Oh, Jones is a better fighter. Who, who's who's better? And and what I when I say this, I mean you got to look at it in terms of who can produce big money, who can walk and talk and actually perform in the octagon. Is it McGregor or is it GSB? As far as making money or just overall? Just 
Oh, both, a combination of both. If you were going to pick a guy that has it all, who would you pick? GSP, because he was still a huge draw. He was a good draw at the time. He wasn't a McGregor, McGregor kind of draw, but he was in GSP. I mean, you you can't deny his, you know, his, his career in the UFC. I mean – he can very easily be, you know, the, the greatest of all time as well. He's right up there with it where McGregor's not. McGregor is great for money. He's He changed the game as far as the business is concerned. But as far as just a little bit of everything, as far as pay-per-view numbers, a legit fighter, things like that, GSP for sure. And I think GSP can beat McGregor right now. I think if he came out of there and they fought at 170, GSP beats McGregor right now at 40 years old. And I'm a huge McGregor fan. Well, you, you answered my question. I, I, said, I was going to say, well, is there any way GSP could come and fight right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's still under contract. He's still under contract with uh, the UFC. So he can come back, and he's, uh, he's definitely um, – yeah, he can definitely come back. Matter of fact, they're talking about – you know, Khabib only wants to fight two or three more times. So if Khabib – one of his fights is against GSP – and GSP actually talked about maybe coming back and fighting Khabib. If there is a fight, that's the fight he's going to have. So he is still under contract with the UFC. But, uh, yeah, so he may come back. I got you. So would you rather – if you're watching a fight, not you're not fighting, but you're watching a fight, would you rather watch a, a standing fight or a ground game? Mm, oh, man. You know what? Ah, this is a stand-up fight. There's nothing like two guys like standing like in a phone booth just trading punches. I love the ground stuff, but as far as a fan is concerned, uh, being a fan from a fan standpoint, stand up. All right, that's my last question, and and Jim is going to appreciate this question because he's on this kick right now. Are you a Daniel or a Johnny guy? Oh man, um. Cobra Kai, huh? Cobra Kai, Karate Kid. Let's... Never dies. Don't mess this up. I am a, I'm a I'm Cobra Kai. I'm Cobra. Yay. Yay. You actually know, you know, there's actually there was actually a gym called Cobra Kai out in Vegas for a while. Uh, Mark Lehman did it. He was uh, one of the jiu-jitsu coaches on the Ultimate Fighter in the early, just top-notch jiu-jitsu guy. He actually had a gym called Cobra Kai. So I'm going to go with Cobra Kai because they actually turned it into a jiu-jitsu gym, like, in real life. So Cobra Kai for sure. Nice, nice. Is All right, he, man. Uh, hey, since he brought he brought up jiu-jitsu before we move on, um, is he familiar with our boy Stephen Combs? Yeah. Yeah, from Memphis Judo and Jiu-Jitsu, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, we graduated think- We graduated with him, and I see his videos he posts all the time uh, teaching. And, uh, man, he's definitely skilled. Didn't he go to Bolton? He's the one that went to Bolton. Yeah, we all, yeah, we he all graduated. graduated with him. Yeah, yeah, I graduated from Bolton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody on this is a Bolton High guy, man. I think he's on the wall. I think he's on our wall. Yeah, he's on our wall of fame as a, a state placer. Like, I, what I did in the restaurant, I had all the guys who placed in either a region champion or a state placer. I painted their names on the wall. So, I think he's on that wall. Oh, you didn't see mine up there? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I'll put it up there. I'll put it up there. <laughs> Oh, man. Contributions. Oh, Rod, man, is there anything you want to plug or promote before we get you off here? 
uh, just, you know, check us out. You know, follow us on social media, uh, CFFC. It stands for Cage Fury Fighting Championship. Uh, we have a lot of cool stuff uh, coming up. Uh, you know, Nick, Rob, Jason, Raul, Brad, Hell, I mean, they're just areas. Just, we have an awesome crew, uh, you know, we now, now that we combine forces, I mean, just there's just so I mean, we, there's so much potential there. Uh, you know, I started doing jujitsu uh, recently at USA Karate. You know, I mean, give Dale Beret and Robbie Beard a shout out for that, and just uh, you know, follow us on social media, and we have a lot of cool things uh, coming up. So definitely follow Cage Fury Fighting Championship because with this acquisition, I mean, there's a lot of cool things that are going to happen. You know, you're going to see a lot of future UFC champions come uh, come from our promotion. Well, man, we want to thank you, man, for being in the In Off the Bench podcast. It was, you know, great insight, a lot of knowledge on our part that we, we learned tonight. We always enjoy that. And if we can promote anything for you or put anything over for you in the future, man, just just hit us up. Let us know. We'd love to, you know, throw your your plugs out there and, and give you some shout outs along along our journey man yeah for sure and if you guys ever want to talk to like a, a fighter like i can get you jaleel bryce mitchell eric andrews stuff like that just let me know man because you know if i can you know platforms like this if i can get you know some of these guys out i mean that's that's huge you guys can learn from you know from a fighter's perspective a lot of things that only fighters can answer so if you guys need anything like that hey, you let me know i can answer that right now we want jaleel baby north north I'll text, him off. I'll text him. Yeah, hit hit Jim up. Jim Jim is our uh, our matchmaker, so to speak. He's <laughs> up our our guests, and and I mean, hell, we no, I can't take credit, man. Randy Randy said of Rod, man, Rod's been fantastic. This Randy matched this one up. Hey, I just I just write it up. They they booked the talent. I just Rod, I, Rod, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm glad you came through and were awesome because you know I I do get the guests and so um, Rand, Randy bringing in one. If you'd have sucked, I'd have held it over Randy's head forever. So thank <laughs> God you came out. Swimming. Well, that didn't suck. <laughs> no man, well, you're well, great. we'll see what you're, kind of we'll see great. how you promote it and see how many listens you get first. You better yeah, prove, you hey, you it. better have them boys in Chicago listening. I know your dad and your brothers and all that better be. Oh, for sure, I for sure do that. Hey, and, and Rod, no joke, man. Uh, you know, we brought it up in the beginning uh, with Daniel. We want to do more wrestling episodes. Daniel is a huge wrestling fan. I, obviously, like I said, I'm starting to get into it. Uh, you know, I don't know where Randy's going to be on it, but we like to get people who actually uh, have some knowledge on it, can have some fun and talk about it. So. Uh, expect to to be asked to come back to discuss. Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah, definitely. I love it. Let me go watch it right now. <laughs> well, well, go, man. Go watch your raw. Go watch your retribution. See what <laughs> what's what's cracking on on there, and get ready for Clash of the Champions on Sunday. For sure. All right, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Rod Galvin. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna plug some sponsors when we come back. We got headlines for you. I uh, thanks for having. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. It's time for your headlines leading off tonight, guys. We got NBA, and we're closing out on the season, well, on the playoffs. You know, we have a few games into the Celtics and Heat. We finished game two of the Nuggets and Lakers. And, Randy, I'll start with you. Your boys, the Miami Jimmy Butlers, dude, break Break down that series for me. The the Celtics to me look like 
um, they might have figured something out. What do you think? I agree. You know, the Celtics had double-digit leads in all three games going into the fourth quarter, and Miami out-toughed them, out-hustled them, and out-clutched them, you know, um, the first two games to take those leads. Game three really changed, and uh, something that I that – I, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, I'm a Tennessee basketball fan, but Grant Williams changes that, that team for him too because he's talking all the time. And, and obviously, Tatum played great. Uh, Jalen Brown, to me, is – I'm not saying he's their best player. I think he's their most important player along with Marcus Smart. And maybe it took those guys getting in each other's faces and yelling and screaming and cussing and doing what they do. When I heard that, I told you guys on the group chat, um, I, I, I didn't have to see any issue with it. Sometimes you got to get in each other's ass and you got to hold each other accountable. And I thought that's what Marcus Smart did and Jalen Brown. And then that should have stayed in the locker room, but it didn't. It came out. We hear about it like we do everything else. Uh, but I do think that Boston figured something out. But I would definitely not count the Heat out because they're just so tough. Bam, uh, Adebayo played great. Jimmy Butler has to get insert himself into the game before the fourth quarter. Miami is not good enough to wait. Even though they did make a run in game three, even though they lost, you can't wait that late. Uh, I thought that Tyler Hero didn't. He played great. Uh, the, the, the moment that changed the game in game three, uh, I thought they beat the shit out of Goran Dragic. I don't mean like dirty. I just mean like they beat the shit out of him. Uh, and he, was, he had a spin move on Jalen Brown, and he went to do it. And Jalen Brown, I mean, yam, like blocked that dude, knocked him on the ground, and they got – three or four easy dunks in a row after that. That was a game changer. And that's what Boston has to do, ball movement and communication. That is what Marcus Smart was so upset about, and that's what they did so well all game long in game three. Randy, it feels like to me like the Heat have to have everybody playing exceptionally well in order to win a game. I mean, is that just perception or is that the actual case? I think they're deep enough where they – yeah, I think they do. They're, they're not as deep as Boston as far as names go, but I think that going into next season that changes, right? Everybody now knows Tyler Hero being on the all-rookie second team is a joke. Kendrick Nunn being on the all-rookie first team, maybe that's a joke. Um, I think they have names going into next season. They, are, they do need guys to come off the bench for big minutes, but you can't – right now you got Bam and Jimmy. You, you got to have more than that. You're right. So we got to have Robinson playing well. So more so than the Celtics, yeah, they need more. So, Jim, we'll we'll flip it over to the West. You know, we were on the nugget train, you know, and now they're down in a hole two games to nothing. Even though the last game they they battled hard and and looked okay, but, I mean, do they have any kind of firepower that can match what the Lakers have? Okay, so it's funny. You just asked him the question about on the heat, does everybody have to contribute? And – I wanted to double check before I said it. And in both games uh, for Denver and L.A., all the starters other than the Joker and Murray scored in single digits. Um, We're talking about five points for Millsap, five points for Harris, nine points for Grant. Um, And Jokic and and Murray are efficient, too. They're shooting over 50%. Um, They're doing their job. And so it seems pretty clear when you look at it Somebody else. I mean, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. is doing decent, but I mean, some somebody else there because we're talking about all right. So when you talk about, we go back to last series and we talk about the Rockets, right? And it was you know Harden and Westbrook in the games where they matched Davis and LeBron, they still were getting killed. Why? Because the other guys were doing 
them. And it seems to be that we're, we're just doing this again. It's the same series, right? The two stars for Denver are doing their job and nobody else is contributing. And it's not going to work because the two stars for the Lakers are better than the two stars for any other team, right? That's easy. We're talking about two top five players. So, if no one else is going to contribute in a high volume, which when you look at the roster's makeup, like Will Barton ain't there. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's the guy like you wish you had who could fill the bucket up, who could get you some, some other baskets. They, I don't think they have that firepower that you're asking me. I mean, Randy, wouldn't you say, because like we said, wipe off the stars, right? The two stars for the Lakers are better than the two stars for the Nuggets. But if you even match them and then you look down the roster and you go role players, the Nuggets players just aren't doing what the Lakers players are doing. Yeah, I agree. And one, one thing, though, we talk about the stars. I do think overall they are better. I agree. But Jokic outplayed Anthony Davis up until that last shot. Everybody's going to say he hit the last shot. He's the better player. And is he the better player overall? Yes. But Jokic played his ass off in game two. And, they, they I mean, he deserved that win. And Anthony Davis just kobe him. Yeah, so I mean, Jim, I'm, I'm not saying that – I mean, those two guys are doing what they're doing, and they've been phenomenal all playoffs, especially what Murray's been doing. But, I mean, it's just – I don't know. And, and you know what? As somebody who's not a Lakers fan and I don't root for him, if I am a Lakers fan, I am very proud of what the other guys are doing because you remember when Avery Bradley stepped out, like, who's going to do what, right? And then, you know, they, they brought in, you know, JR, and it's like, well, maybe JR says, JR's not even involved. You know, yeah. these are these are Rondo and the other guys, and and you're finally seeing Kuzma. Um, he's not doing big things, but he's doing enough. And and so I mean, the other guys are getting involved and 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 helping win games. I agree. So Jim, let me ask you this: two games down, do the Nuggets have a chance? I'd like to say no, but didn't I say that? against the Jazz and against the Clippers. So, wouldn't I be very disrespectful to say that again? So, I'm going to say that they do have a chance because, I mean, it's just downright rude if I don't. Before we move on out of NBA, Randy, I'll ask you this, is that the whole talk prior to this, the Nuggets and Lakers starting was the disrespect of the Denver Nuggets. Well, is it disrespect or is it realism when you constantly put yourself down two games every series and then you expect people to believe in you all of a sudden? Is, no, I, no I, I agree. And, and I think it's to Jim's point, too, is that you do have these two stars and Murray and Jokic, but who's the other guy? You got MPJ spouting off saying he's got to get involved, but then, you know, he doesn't, right? So – I agree with you. They put themselves in a hole, and you just cannot continually do that. You can beat the Jazz, and you can even beat the Clippers. But now we're starting to see the Clippers were a fucking mess, man. Their locker room is a – they're a bunch of talent, not a team. And, and I've said it a million times. It's why I, you know, picked the Celtics, and I love the Heat and the Lakers too. Team over talent all day. And I say that not to say the Lakers don't have talent. That's ridiculous. But until that team buys in, it's why the Warriors were so freaking good for that many years team man it's all about the team and the, the I just don't I don't know man I, I don't think that they're good enough to beat the Lakers by putting themselves in this position last night perfect example if you can't win that game I don't think you're gonna win a game absolutely so let's let's move forward with into hockey um the lightning 
they played tonight. They looked much better, much more like the Tampa Bay team that I've seen throughout the playoffs thus far. Game one was really uh, a game of missed opportunities. You're talking in the past few games, the Lightning have had 14 opportunities to score goals on power points, and they've all been shut down. They finally tonight got a power play goal. Uh, I want to say they got two of them um, in all their scoring came in the, in the first period. So the, the barrage that they put on was working and we still have a, a wild card out there. Steven Stamkos, who's, you know, arguably the best player in hockey and definitely one of the best players on the lightning that is just waiting to start playing. He's been injured all through the playoffs. They've had the timeline for him to return last series, didn't return. Now he's day to day. So you know, it could be uh, any minute now that, that he could come and provide a weapon. I don't know what it looks like for him as far as getting back on the ice, getting in game shape, but he's been practicing and, I mean, he's, he's been watching. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he plays and I'll, I'll, I'll be excited if he does play. And, and even though we played so bad game one, I think if we correct – some of those missed opportunities and, and start making making some goals on those power plays. I think this this series is going to favor us very well. Well, hey Daniel, um, I I pulled up the stats. Do you want to talk about a close game? Other than the fact that it's three two, check this out: twenty nine shots for Dallas, thirty one shots for Tampa, fifty hits for Dallas, fifty one hits for Tampa Bay, thirty four faceoffs won for Dallas, thirty five. For Tampa Bay. And then, of course, when you go along with those shots earlier, um, block shots, 20 for Dallas, 19 for Tampa. They were – and then even penalties. They they tied in penalties. This team – this these teams played an even game. Just Tampa was just that slight bit better. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know much about Dallas, to be honest with you, but I know – Tampa, I mean, from top to bottom, they're they're one of the best in the league. And I, I'm sure Dallas is the same way at, at you know, when you, you can't make it this far in the playoffs and, and not be. Um, but, you know, I, I would expect a lot of the same for the rest of this series. It's just very even, very close. And, I mean, three to two games are what I would hope to see from here on out, um, obviously in the Lightning's favor. What I don't want to see are these, you know, four to one blowouts um, that I saw in game one. But Randy, man, you, you said you had some some info to chat about when we talk hockey. So, so what do you got for us? I never, ever, ever had a doubt that Tampa Bay was going to win this game because like they do all postseason long, they don't lose consecutive games. So write it down, stone cold, lead pipe, lock. I said it before this, not to you guys because we didn't talk about it, but the Lightning are always winning. And if they lose game three, which they won't, they will win game four. Well, at some point in the series, in order to win, they're going to have to win two in a row. So uh, They're going to take game three, and then they're going to lose game four, and then they're going to win two in a row. I got that four. Give me Lightning. Ride the Lightning. Stanley Cup finals, baby. Let's get it. Champs. Drinking out of the cup. Randy's going lightning and six. Jim, who you got? Lightning and seven. Uh, I feel you. I, I think this is going seven. Um, and I'm going to roll with with my, my team. I got to go with the lightning. So 
you know, the bolts in seven, I think it's going to be close, very even matchups all the way through. And it's going to be high anxiety for, for lightning fans. So, um, but a lot of fun nonetheless. Hey, but, hey Daniel, know, I got to tell you something, man. I'm going to, I'm going to cut into the hockey segment to tell you that the Saints just got called for another pass interference. That's probably going to end the game. And the judge that was right in front of the play waved no interference and the back judge that was about 40 yards away through the penalty and he got it. And so, you know how I feel about rest. If this podcast wasn't important, I'd throw this computer right now. Well, my question to you is as bad as the saints have played, are you going to blame them losing on this one pass interference? No, I will not. But um, when a guy 40 yards away throws a flag and the guy that was three yards from the play said it was clean, um, that's problematic. Well, I mean, I hate refs in all sports, no matter who the team is. I don't care. I think refs suck. Lawrence Dockery, did you hear that? He's talking to you. Yeah, Lawrence. That's Lawrence that's, let my daughter melee somebody on the soccer field. So that's good shade me. straight to Lawrence Dockery. So then, all right, I got, I got a simple solution. This is what you do. You ready for this? You yeah. go out there. You get your referee certification. You buy you a white and black striped shirt. You buy you some tight ass black pants, and you get out there, get a whistle, and hey. fucking get some flags, and you do it. Jim is gonna be like the dude Ed Hockley with the yeah. fucking biceps, baby. Which, by the way, his son I think is who that is calling the game tonight. Um, it was something Hockley, and he had some a little, not as big, but he had some guns. And I thought, damn, he got his son out here. It's kind of like a. Uh, uh, what's his name uh, for for wrestling and boxing? Daniel that does a buffer. Like, I would not you know, want to get into that family business of refereeing because you got guys like Jim that just hate your ass. Yeah, I mean, I don't, go, I don't threaten to kill him, Randy. Damn. Oh, I didn't so, say. I didn't say nothing like that. My goodness, Jim. I mean, for your birthday, Joe Testator gave you a special message. Shout and you, out. You, you, you still don't have He's any respect He's the only for ref guys. I like. That was what made it interesting. But since y'all weren't watching the game because y'all were too busy talking about hockey and I was and I was watching the game, that was going to be the stop to get the Saints the ball back with two minutes left. And instead, they called pass interference, which, like I said, I don't know what the timing exactly will be. But I think it just cost them the game. So That's, that's a shame. I'm I'm sorry. I, I don't know what more to say. I mean, Drew Brees played awful. Um, you know, the Oakland Raiders played played great, and we're gonna blame it on one call. But that's Boston, Vegas. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not. I'm I'm curious. What is the spread for this game? I'm just just four. Just, I don't believe in conspiracies, but like, is is that a factor here? <laughs> no, Saints win. Well, what's the spread for the team in Vegas while they're in Vegas? (laughs) All right, guys, moving forward to to baseball. All right, Jim, the Dodgers first to clinch. Um, My initial question was who's who's next, but I mean it's it's apparent that you know we got the White Sox and now the Padres. So um, who else are you expecting to to wrap up some some spots here soon? I believe the athletics have clinched as well while we're at it. Um, I don't know if our Cardinals can, um, you know, not lose games like they did tonight. They took four out of five. They, they were on their road to doing it. But a lot of the teams, when outside of the teams that you mentioned, 
Uh, like, for instance, the Marlins, the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Reds, um, in the National League, in the American League, um, the Blue Jays, um, the Astros, they're all hovering around 500, right? So it's going to be about who can string together some Ws. Uh, I would imagine the Twins will be the next to clinch as well as the Yankees, which are they, not a surprise because we picked those uh, to start the season. So I just pulled up the the – updated standings so we got the dodgers the rays the white Sox, the padres the a's the twins are in and the yankees have all clinched a playoff berth um with teams like the cubs and the braves and the marlins and the blue jays and the cardinals and the astros uh hovering right around that 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 threshold so uh we are roughly I don't know, 38, 48, 58. We're about, I don't know, 12, 14 games left. And, you know, it's it's going to come very quick. Randy, I'll, I'll ask you this, man. What, what What's the threshold here? What do they have to do? And, I mean, is there any room for any team to lose? Or is it all about winning out right now? you got to win out. I mean, there's not enough, there's not enough gap between you know, the teams that haven't clinched. You, you gotta, you can't, you know, like our Cardinals tonight, can't lose to the Royals, even though, you know, shout out to John Bolin and the Kansas city Royals, but Hey, you guys ain't gonna make it. Get, get, let's let our boys get a couple dubs. Yeah. Can't, can't they just roll some meatballs up there and just let Yachty hit some out and Yachty don't need no meatballs. Day. He's actually been hitting them out. I sent y'all both he a lying. clip earlier. <laughs> Yeah, I saw it. And he, he's looking good. Everybody you know what I noticed, Randy? Every time he hits a home run, he's in those powder blues, bro. He likes the powder blues, doesn't he? So, Looks good so, in them, too. Yeah, I love those powder blues. Those are sweet, sweet. But, but Randy, I'll ask you this. Uh, baseball is talking about doing a bubble for the playoffs. And I don't know if it's the initial first rounds, but I think there's a, a bubble – scenario for playoffs for playoff baseball now given what we know about major league baseball so far will it be as good as the nba bubble has been i don't think that it's going to be as good i think you know the way that mlb put it out there was they were going to basically it's going to be to limit uh the travel limit the interaction um so where the NBA, it was like literally a bubble. You couldn't leave the bubble. You couldn't go anywhere. That's not really what the MLB is doing. So the wild cards, as I understand it, are going to be in the better seats stadium. Um, and then they're going to go to San Diego and Texas for the division series and the championship series with the World Series being in um, the Rangers' new ballpark. So it has a retractable roof and all that good stuff. So we don't have to worry about the, the summer heat in October, November, right? But still – yeah, so, I mean, one, one thing that really stuck out to me about the bubble, you know, we know that the NBA uh, let wives or domestic partners in, except for Daniel House, who, you know, may have cost his team the series. But anyway, moving on, the MLB is going to let six family members in, but the guests, guests have to stay at a separate hotel, and they're going to have supervised outdoor visits. I thought that was wild when I'm looking at that because – if you're telling me I'm a grown-ass man and I'm a multi-millionaire professional athlete and I'm going to have some, 
you know, some dude up here telling me who, what I can and can't do, don't get too close. I, I just don't – it spells disaster to me, guys. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of, of weird things that happen in a bubble atmosphere, and I think the, the home field advantage thing of not being able to play at home in baseball might – like, I think there's a factor there of – of all sports, I think home field advantage in baseball is huge, especially in a seven-game series. Um, hey, they did say they were going to have 25% capacity on fans. Man, let's go on down to Dallas Live and let's just post up there and watch the games. I'm in. So, well, Jim, we're looking a little bit – you know, into the future here, but if there was a World Series matchup, who would you like to see? Uh, I mean, I should want to see the best two teams play, but I have told y'all the last couple of weeks I've really bought into this whole Padres thing. So, you know, if it's not going to be the Cardinals, which we, we know it's not going to be – I want to see the Padres, and um, I want to see the Rays because my best buddy who hosts this show is a Rays guy. So, give me, give me Rays, Padres. Give me some Padres. Randy, what about you? What would be an exciting World Series matchup for you? Guys, the last time that, there was a, that the World Series was played on a neutral site was 1944. And do you know – the teams that played that it was in St. Louis for the Cardinals and the Browns. Now they didn't play it because of a bubble, but they played it because they shared the same field. But I'm saying 1944 is repeating itself. Cardinals in the National League, baby, and uh, they're gonna play the Yankees for the ba- the top two World Series champions a number of times, and we're crawling up, we're getting closer. I don't know how we're gonna do it. I don't even know why I'm saying it. But that's what's happening. 1944, making a comeback, baby. I I think it would be great for the Astros and the Dodgers to play. Just oh. one more time. One hey. more time. No rules. Just, just see what happens. Real quick, though. If, if the Dodgers do happen to win the, their World Series, finally, I'm putting an asterisk by it. If the Cardinals win, I'm not. But if the Dodgers do, oh, it gets an asterisk. No, in, in, in all honesty, I, I definitely, I think the Rays and the Padres would be fun. I think the Padres and the Dodgers in the National League, uh, the championship series would be, you know, pretty sweet to watch. Um, I could really care less about the Yankees being in there. I, I, I really could. Like, I, I'd rather see a team, if, if it's not the Rays, I'd rather see somebody like Oakland or Minnesota, a team that, or even the White Sox, a team that doesn't get a lot of cred, man, that's been working really hard, just just get their shine. So, um, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks, that picture becomes much more clear for us. Um, but guys, let's let's finish with a little NCAA talk. And I, I got news today, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but Memphis will not be playing this Friday night either. Randy, is that the case? That is the case. From everything that I know, their Memphis next game will not be until October the 3rd at 
SMU? I mean, Jim, given that I, that's such a long period of time off, I mean, what's what is the expectations of, of play to go and play SMU? Like, obviously, we want to win the game, but given the amount of time that's been off and the amount of practice that's been lost and the players that haven't been playing and doing anything, like, what what should we anticipate for that game? Um, I think, I mean – you're going to anticipate some sloppiness, right? There's probably going to be some penalties. There's going to be some miscues. But I think ultimately with what they have got done practice-wise with the talent they do have, I think you should still expect a win. Maybe just not a win the way it should be. Um, I, def I definitely expect sloppy play. I mean, when you're not practicing getting the reps, it doesn't matter if we're talking about high school, college, or NFL. Um, that's just the way it goes. So that's it. But I, I don't expect Memphis to come out and lose because of this or anything. Yeah. So the Jim, the Big Ten has decided that they actually want to play now. So they didn't want to play. They did want to play. They decided not to play. Then the players got mad because they weren't playing. And then they fought about it. Then they argued about it. Then everyone else decided to play. Now they stood firm on not playing and now all of a sudden they are playing so they're finally going to play um i think the end of october what what changed like i think it was a unanimous vote by all the schools to play like what has changed from the time they said no to now other than the fact that players were pissed off yeah i mean obviously players being pissed off but there's there's so many factors Obviously, being that, you know, you had the, the SEC and the, and the Big 12 and the ACC playing, and they're talking about playing for a championship. And, you know, you got the Ohio States of the world, you know, like, hey, we, we could be in this, winning that. Um, and then, obviously, Randy, Randy will tell you, dollars. He's probably got a breakdown of what they're going to make versus what they were going to lose if they didn't. So, when you look at the fact that these other conferences were playing, when you look at the the money, and then even – so we're talking about the Memphis thing, and we're talking about what's happening with them. Um, we haven't had just a ton of outbreaks, but even in the situations where we have, the way the schools have handled it, scheduling, um, I heard them say today that Memphis, they've already handled this, and they, and they have scheduled um, their games to replace them. So they're handling it in such a good way that I think the Big Ten realized – hey, we can do this. We can find a way to do this. And, you know, we said when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I thought they jumped the gun to begin with. I thought they were overreactionary. And now they found out that maybe they shouldn't have. And I like the way the SEC did it and, and waited even a little bit longer just to kind of see how it went. Um, and just to throw out a team, you know, because they're my team. Look, Everybody was like, why would Ed Orgeron tell everybody that the LSU players have all gotten it? Because they got it before the game started, so it's over, baby. They ain't got to worry about it now. Well, I mean, that's that's one one very strange way to put it, and I don't know whether I believe that or not or if he's just blowing smoke, but – you know, going going back to the Big Ten, Randy, and this is just my view on this. I think that the Big Ten knew if they didn't play football quickly, that they wouldn't have been in the national championship conversation or college football playoff playoff conversation due to the amount of games that they would be playing. 
And so all that money that they would have a chance to be a part of was now being lost. To me, that's my opinion. What do you think about that? Randy, before you talk, please help me have a breakdown of money. Tell me you have this long spreadsheet with just like numbers everywhere. Well, according to Forbes and the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> according to Jeezy's calculations. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to they, – they tout the Big Ten as this um, academic Right, and, and, and they are. They got Northwestern and Ohio, the Ohio State uh, puts all that out there. But a lot of people don't realize they think SEC is king, and SEC is king. Let's not get it twisted. Uh, but the Big Ten, as of last year, uh, this is according to SI, uh, they led the country in revenue from football, $781.5 million in football revenue. Uh, you know, for those keeping score at home, SEC was second. Obviously, it's 720. That's the big gap. So, I think that, yes, what you said is right. They wouldn't have been in the playoff conversation, and you would have lost a lot of traction. You talk about a recruiting nightmare, what that would have been. It's all about money, guys, and that's what drives this. And it's – it's if you go back down and look, I mean, Ohio State, $115 million in football revenue. Michigan, $122 million. Penn State, $100 million. Wisconsin, $90 million. That's too much money to just let – you know, the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Tennessees collect. It's just too much. Well, and, Daniel, and I hope I'm not jumping the gun on a question you may have. I want to I'm, I'm ask you a question since you always ask those questions. With the Big Ten jumping in but having a smaller schedule, do you think that, for instance, they, they threw this scenario out there. Let's say Ohio State only gets six games in, but in their six games they look phenomenal. And then you got an argument between them and say, I don't know, Oklahoma, uh, ten and zero. I mean, is that going to be an issue? Uh, like, uh, like, is it? Could it hold them out? I mean, in effort not to be a hypocrite, it can't be an issue because my my team isn't going to play their full schedule. Like, I, I don't see them making up games that they're they're losing right now. So the, the amount of games they're going to play in regards to everyone else will be smaller. So to answer your question fairly, yeah, like I think they should be given the same consideration that they normally would. But like I can see the argument for a 10-0 Oklahoma to be in over an 8-0 Ohio State team. It's all going to come down to the strength of schedule, which to me is just an absolute it's, – it's a joke right now. Like who – like – how do you really give a strength of a schedule for the teams that you're playing in this nonsense? So, Hey, um, one thing that, that shocked me when I read it is talking about money and, I, and money does rule all right, is that they put out an article ESPN did uh, back in May and they had 95 respondents, athletic departments respond about reserves funds. So they put it out to 130 FBS football schools, 95 responded. 54 of the 95 schools says they do not have any zero reserve funds. 54, I mean, out of 95 respondents. That is, to me, insane in a multi-billion dollar. It just shows how top-heavy it is with the Power Five, uh, especially if you want to talk about the big names. Even though my team, Tennessee, hasn't been good in a long time, they're in the top five in revenue. I mean, it's, it's hoarded by those teams. And a team like Memphis, they really never had a fighting chance. Oh, that's, and that's a shame, too, because, I mean, there's at, 
at Memphis's level, there are some there's some really good football and some really good deserving schools that deserve to be considered. Um, but the money thing is just tough, and I don't foresee Memphis moving their position into anything other than where they're at now, unless there's a whole total re restructuring of, of of what we currently have, which it all goes back to what you said, Randy, it's all about money. And they, they're not wanting to share that money with anybody right now. Um, so, so let's take a look at some of the, some of the matchups this week, Randy, what, what are some must watch matchups for you? You're going to go with your boys, Tennessee against South Carolina. I got it right. Cause I haven't seen my team play since they had the epic comeback against Indiana. I mean, look, I see, you know, I know you're laughing, but I mean, you know, hey, our bowl game turned, you know, hey, anyway, we ain't going to stay on that. Uh, but I'm looking just, I'm really excited that just the SEC finally, we've had some preseason, I mean, some other games played, but now this weekend, Jim will agree, it's football time, baby. SEC, that's when it really starts. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, at 7.30 or 8.30 my time, I'll give it a watch. I'll give it a watch. I'll, I'll give you guys a quarter. You're gonna give be rooting quarter. for the if you if you root for Will Muschamp. I'm a, I'm gonna tell you what. I'm gonna go. Miss Knight did not teach you to be like that. I'll tell you this, and this is what I always say when when somebody asks, you know, well, who do you like better, Tennessee or Ole Miss, and, or Tennessee and Florida? And I say, well, I hope the stadium blows up, nobody gets hurt, but nobody wins or loses the game. <laughs> so, look. Now, I, go ahead. I, I guess with, with Mike Norvell testing positive for COVID, I'm assuming he's going to be out for uh, Saturday's game. So, that game against Miami that I probably would have watched, I'll, I'll put it on hiatus, and I'll I'll, I'll give the, the volunteers a, a look. See, it's, it's for it. for podcast purposes only. <laughs> I'm telling I'm telling your parents. You're getting on Facebook right now. Hey, it's that's that's fine. I'll give them a look. Jim, who are you, who are you looking at? To you gonna you gonna go the same route? LSU, Mississippi State. No, I mean, because that's, that's an obvious game. No, I wanted to – so we're talking about the Big Ten coming back in, right? And so the current polls don't have those teams in. And so I wanted to talk about three different games that may not be a big deal, but they're uh, – two of them are ranked on ranked. But I wanted to talk about first the one that's not, which is Louisiana against Georgia Southern, right? And the relevance of me bringing that up is they're ranked 19 – and I think they need to come out and make a big statement because when those Big Ten teams come in, um, they're going to try to be pushing teams out. And so for a team like Louisiana, you you want to stay in that top 25. You want to stay relevant. And so I think they need to come out and make a showing. Then you got Louisville and Pittsburgh, right, number 24 against number 21. Same exact thing, right? First of all, it's a ranked-on-ranked matchup. It's, you know – um, in conference, but, you know, same thing. You want to try to climb the ladder because if you if you fall backwards, when those other teams get added in, you may not find your way back in. And then the other one, and this is relevant to our Memphis boys, is Army-Cincinnati, right? Um, we want Cincinnati to climb the ladder because when Memphis beats them, we want it to be that much more uh, meaningful. So that's number 14 against number 22. So 
those are the games that I would be looking at, maybe not necessarily watching because we, we want those teams to make statement games. We want them to climb, be able to climb the ladder for, um, you know, to, to show that they're worthy of a ranking, especially since they're going to try to kick them out. Obviously, LSU, Mississippi State will be the game I'm watching. I'm very interested. The spread is really high. It actually came down some. It's 16 and a half. It was actually 19 and a half. Um, with what LSU's lost, I think that is too high of a spread, even as an LSU fan. Um, and then being that you're playing in LSU doesn't matter as much because we know that they feed off the crowd noise that won't be there. So um, that'll be interesting. And then um, if I was just to talk about one other game, um, Ole Miss, Florida, those are my two least favorite teams in college football. So if, um, you know, like the stadium, like, no, I'm not even going to do that. You know, I remember that when that happened with Eric has I'm not going to say nothing mean. But, you know, if, if that game didn't play at all, I wouldn't be mad. We'll say that. So, Randy, I'll take the high road. So, Randy, give me one stone cold lock for this weekend's slate of games. If there is any team that is pandemic proof, lock that down, copyright it. It is, has to be the Alabama Crimson Tide, and Nick Staben will have those boys ultra focused, laying the big line 27. I think they're going to beat the ever loving shit out of Missouri because Nick Saban's pissed, right? He's had people actually questioning him. And the way that he goes about his business, I'm going, they win by 35, 40. I wouldn't be surprised they win by 50. I mean, I feel sorry for the Missouri Tigers. Randy, is it – and maybe it's just me, but is Alabama always this quiet prior to the season starting? Or is this just kind of – is this strange? Like, I've heard zero. I've heard zero about them, yep. zero from them, nothing. I, you know, it was like I said a couple weeks ago, somebody questioned, you know, Staben and some of his comments, and it's been mum is the word since then. So if I'm going to lay down a hefty amount of money, it's going to be on Nick Saban and just, and besides, Missouri sucks and pandemic proof. Give me roll tide as bad as it makes me sick to say. And hey, guys, yeah, while, we're, while we're on the Alabama thing, I watched, you know, I watched that game Friday night with the high school teams with uh, Trey Washington and it. And any player that was significant, minus the one running back that's going to Auburn, the other – well, no, I take that back, Randy, the, the quarterback that was killing us going to Tennessee. But the other, like, eight players who were monsters, Alabama commits, and it's like, geez. Randy, I, I'm disappointed. I thought for sure your lock of the week was going to be Liberty over Florida International. I saw you hovering over there, and I wanted to go with my boy Hugh Freeze, but – he got a lot going on up there, my boy Jerry Falwell. He might have to be testifying in court. Hey, this, you're right. There's hey, a lot going over there. DB, how about – will? hey, this is the thing. I think he started the season last year, maybe the season before. Will Hugh Freeze be in a stretcher in the press box to start the game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Liberty just got a lot going on, bro. I mean, he – high anxiety, man. Like, I, I think he just wants to win just so – there's something else to talk about. Will he walk the tunnel back to the stadium? It's to be determined. <laughs> Can't wait. We'll find out. All right, Jim, what's your Stone Cold Lock of the Week, man? Tennessee Volunteers. Hey, hey. Tennessee. 
I want to give my my boy some respect over there. I could pick all these teams that are favored by 50 points. I'm going to take the team favored by three and a half because I said that I think they could go seven and three, maybe even get lucky and go eight and two. And so I want to back up my statement. I want my boy to be happy. And so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Tennessee is my stone cold lock. And then I'm even gonna throw in an upset for you. I don't know if it was gonna get asked, but because all these people were saying Oklahoma State was gonna be a playoff team, and then they looked like garbage last week, give me West Virginia to upset them this week. How you gonna do, my boy Mike Gundy, like that? How you gonna? I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm forty. Dude, Mike oh, Gundy has caused problems. Let me tell you something. I picked up my daughter from school today. Hernando High School, there's boys running around everywhere with mullets. This shit is not okay. It is not okay. Bro, if you think Mike Gundy started mullets in Hernando, you're crazy. He did. <laughs> they saw him no. on TV and thought, no. damn, that's a cool look. And he brought it back. They had been gone for 20 years, and then Mike Gundy was on TV, and, it, and these kids were like, look at that dude. And then they started doing it and brought it back. That's false. That's false. Well, if if I'm gonna pick a stone cold lock of the week, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna really put myself out there, and I'm gonna say that Army beats up on Cincinnati, and that's not that's not good for Memphis fans, but I think Army is gonna pound Cincinnati at Cincinnati. So, I'm putting it in writing. You don't really believe that. Tell me you're just doing that for for some glamour on this show. Nope, I believe that. Right here. Right here. <laughs> Randy, I thought I had been the one that had been drinking, but clearly it's Daniel. <laughs> hey, man, I drank two cases. All right, guys. Water. Yeah, two cases of water, bro. All right, last call. Last call. All right. What headlines did we miss, Randy? We got to give a shout out. Rest in peace to Tom Ford for University of Memphis. Um, you know, follow that over the weekend. Obviously, it's the end of an era uh, from a live mascot perspective at the University of Memphis. Uh, me personally, I've worked the you know Tiger football games for 20 years now. Uh, it was almost like a just a. It is what it is, right? That was just a game day. You know, it was we're gonna have football. We're gonna have a live Tiger. Tom gonna be here. So for that not to be there, for him not to be there, that first, the only game we had against Arkansas State was weird. And to know that, you know, he passed shortly thereafter. 2020 just sucks bad. Uh, it happened so quick, you know, we didn't even get to say goodbye. So rest in peace, my man. Yeah, I'm, I think one of the things I look forward to as a dad was to be able to take my daughter to a game and, and let her see that, or even at a pep rally or, or something. Um, because on TV, like, you can tell she gets excited and she like she gets pumped up and if if you don't know like you could tell she's my daughter when the tigers are on she does the spell out like she she knows the players names like i teach her right and when that tiger comes on and, and she just you can see the smile so it's a it's a little sad that it's at the end of a actual live mascot but um from the knowledge that i i, I been given and, and herein is that they're going to provide a, a, a 
there, there's going to be another Tom, but it's going to be housed at the zoo and they're going to do everything via the, the Tron. Hey, and, and we talked about earlier in the show, shout out to my boy, Nick Harmeyer, uh, who's the CIO, I think at the C, I don't even know what his title is anymore, but chief marketing officer or something like that. Shout out to the Memphis zoo for housing the new Tom. But what the new Tom? I wonder if the tiger already had a name or if they're actually getting a new tiger and calling it Tom. Great question. Uh, inquiring minds want to know. So like, hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter. If you have the answer to that question, I, I'm, I'm interested to know. Jim, what headlines did we miss? Well, you know this headline as well as anybody, but fantasy football this week. If you had the number one pick, you more than likely took Christian McCaffrey. If you had the number two pick, you more than likely took Saquon Barkley. Somewhere in the top ten, especially if you were PPR, you took Michael Thomas. And if you took those picks, you are hurting right now. Some longer than others. Christian McCaffrey, they say four to five weeks. Saquon, the whole season. Michael Thomas, your guess is as good as mine. I hear one week, I hear three weeks, I hear four weeks, I don't know. But needless to say, um, those are guys that are expected to carry your team. Big injuries to big-time stars. And uh, so fantasy players are scrambling everywhere. They're, they're hitting the free agency wire. They're free agency wire. They're making trades. And so uh, NFL, while we've had a great product, not even just those three guys, but a ton of injuries – you know, you could chalk it up to a whole bunch of different things, but we're not going to get into that. We're just going to say a lot of great players um, down. I do want to mention one other one uh, because of how he played last year. Uh, Bosa going down for San Francisco, that's another big one. And so, uh, sucks for the injuries, whether we're talking about just for the teams themselves or we're talking about for fantasy football. Well, for all y'all fools that are in my leagues – I got lucky and I had the first draft pick in a couple of my leagues and I did go with McCaffrey and just know everybody is on the trading block. So if you want some, come get some. So if you're hearing this, put me an offer but, in. But Daniel, go ahead and tell them how many points you scored this week, injury or not, brother. Oh, over 200. So I, I remember it's 217. Well, that's – Without my two best receivers and without McCaffrey playing in the fourth quarter, and you know it's just a good day. It helps. It helps when you have other guys that are kicking ass. But um, you know, I, I I got some work to do before next week. That's for sure. All right, guys, let's let's wrap this thing up. Let's do our around the horn. I'll start with you, Jim. What's the one thing the audience needs to know before you go? All right. You know, I hate doing this. We do this a lot, but uh, rest in peace, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, U.S. Yeah, I might as well. Went. I should have just went first. I mean, I go last, and y'all take my stuff. So, mm. oh. So, do I need to can can I give me a curveball and leave that one to you? You probably have no. wiser words to say than me. You are no. you are an educated brother. No, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, well, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg, uh, iconic uh, – I can't even talk. Maybe I should have gave it to you. An iconic champion of women's rights, died of cancer at the age of 87. Um, i tell you what, Daniel, I'm pretty sure you have a lot to say about it. I'm going to – go ahead. 
finish up because I actually feel bad because this isn't the first, second. I think this might be the third time we've had the same one. So go ahead. So when it when it comes to women's rights, I mean, she's a huge activist and a huge motivator for what we're able to do and as a country and in particular what women are able to achieve now. Um, and having a daughter like and knowing what that means it, it really it touches you in a, in a in a deeper way than what it would if, if you didn't so shout out to you know to her um the notorious rbg for doing her thing um you know i mean there's there's nothing more that can be said she's she's going down as as the goat the goat for sure so you know pour one out you know and, and rest in peace so Jim, I'll let you I'll let you finish it up, man. What do you got for us? I don't know. I think uh I mean I just think what you were saying, I think as all of us having daughters, we want them to be able to believe um that it is true that they can uh you know, achieve anything, they can acquire to the greatest heights. And and I think she she was an example of that. And uh, I guess what I can do to kind of stem off that is plug um, what we got coming up. I'm um, I'm not gonna you know mention their names because I know you I know you gotta do our next episode. But the next two weeks we got we got female athletes. They'll be our first ones, and uh, it's gonna be great because they are studs. Um, is it, is it, I don't know if that's what you call female athletes. Is there a different word? But uh, they're 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 bosses. I don't know, but. Um, and I like it because my daughter is excited because she wants to hear how they um, accomplish their journey to get where they're at. It will help motivate her. And so no different than when we're talking about a Supreme um, Court judge or whether we're talking about um, college athletes who are getting uh, degrees in psychology and everything else, as we've learned from a lot of these athletes. Um, I love when our daughters are getting to see role models, letting them know that they can do anything they want to do if they put their, uh, if they put their full potential in mind to it. Absolutely. Randy, you going to lift us back up. What's the one thing the audience needs to know before you go to follow along the lines of a, of a standout female. I don't know if you guys have been following along or if you've heard of Sheila Zelensky. Sheila has a huge following. So right now, she has over 12 million views on this YouTube. This ain't like Jerry Falwell stuff. Oh, it? brother. You I just want to know if she's related to Jeannie Zelensky we graduated with. I heard that name, and that's all that came to mind. Yeah, shout out, Jeannie. But no, so listen. The, Sheila Zelensky puts out a YouTube video, and she has a conspiracy theory for the ages, guys. You've maybe wondered, why don't we see LeBron in the chalk toss anymore? You know, what's up with that? Well, it's because Sheila says that LeBron is part of an Illuminati. He's an Illuminati wizard. And every time he does a chalk toss, he's conjuring the demons. Every single Ooh. time. So, listen, she got 12 million views, fellas. She is a self proclaimed right-wing conspiracy theorist. But on this, Sheila says, it's not a conspiracy if it's facts. 
He's conjuring <laughs> the demons. Randy, Randy, why didn't you please please tell me you weren't one of the twelve million views? Yeah, he was. Oh no, no, no. You got it. Hey, hey, I'm all about listening to all views, brother. <laughs> I'm gonna be twelve million and one when I get off yeah. this podcast. <laughs> it's not a long, it's not a long video. You gotta go watch. Hey, bro, she got LeBron. Hey, my only my rebuttal to Sheila. Sheila, if you're listening, shout out to you for your twelve million views. I just got a question. If LeBron is part of the Illuminati, why my man three and six in the finals? That's all I'm trying to say. Oh, hey, Randy, my question is, why, why did you let Sheila come up with this conspiracy? If you would have came up with this on the podcast, we'd have 12 million downloads, bro. <laughs> I agree. But so shout out to Sheila and her 12 million views. Man, what the fuck are we doing? 12 million views on a dumb fucking. Conjuring oh, the man. demons, bro. I mean, did, Dude, like, what was did, what was the title? Like, what was the title of this video? Like, what? The title is like LeBron Illuminati Wizard. And now I've seen LeBron be a wizard with some passes and also like like shrinking in big moments, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a dude that is conjuring up the demons every time he shows up the chalk. Jeez. Look, if anybody's conjuring anything with anything, I want to know what powers come from Anthony Davis's unibrow. Because it's magical and it's mystical, and there's something that's conjuring power from it. Because I, I wish it got shaved just to prove a point. I'm telling you guys, I've thought that from day one. Hey, all I know is when my man hit that game winning shot wearing the Mamba jersey, dude yelled out, Kobe. That's a boss ass move. Still will never be Kobe, though. Hey, I got a question for both y'all. I, I don't know. I think DB, you might have been asleep. I'm not sure. Watching it, and I'm I like I love watching the plays. What the fuck was Plumley doing, running straight to LeBron, and then pointing at Anthony Davis like, switch, switch, switch. No, go around the motherfucker and put your hand up. Ridiculous, I, I was, Plumley. I was definitely asleep. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. Um, so basically. The problem is, as you said, Plumley, and the fact that Plumley was in the game was the problem altogether. DB, you got homework tomorrow because I know you're about to go to sleep. Two things. You're going to watch the replay of Anthony Davis hitting the three and pay close attention to the out-of-bounds play and the screen. And after you watch LeBron set this game-winning pick, you go watch Sheila Z- Zelensky and her LeBron conjuring up demons video. He's gonna watch it. You know he's going to. I see it. No, so I see I, it on his face. I refuse. I will watch the the inbounds play, and I'll watch Plumley twelve million times before I watch that. Look, even even Randy admitted to watching one of the Westbrook videos. I sent him a million times. I know you can do this. I'm putting I, it in the group chat. Please don't. Please, please do. I'm gonna watch it when we're done. Consider it. Consider it done. All right, guys. It's it's. Past midnight, my time. We gotta, we gotta wrap this thing up. So, I'm gonna hit the outro. Man, we had some good times, great times, the best of times. We got a lot of insight. I want to thank Rod Galvin for all of our listeners. Go out there and follow CFFC on the socials, man. Check it out um, and just support Rod and, and what he's doing out there with the UFC, the MMA, the CFFC all that good stuff and hopefully we'll bring him back on and we'll, we'll talk some more of the fight game and, and maybe who knows, we might get some WWE action um, as well. But if you like hearing us average Joe's talking X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, 
Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. Check out our new website, Jim Cross, man. You Phenomenal job, man. Tip of the hat to you. And we'll, we're going to see everyone next week for episode 26. We're going to be talking women's SEC track with Texas A&M standout Kennedy Smith. She's going to talk all things track, especially them hurdles, bro. Um, this has been an Off the Bench podcast. And as always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.